commies. Uh, <laughs> um, the... <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Alright everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from Cinema Sins, joined by Jeremy Scott from Cinema Sins. That's me! Yeah, he's back. Yeah. And uh and from music video since Barrett Share. Yo! Uh we're going to complete our bracket today or complete the first round of the bracket not complete <laughs> we're nowhere near completing the bracket uh we're going to the west region and uh there are yet again some really hard matchups in this one yeah uh i don't know where to start let's just start with get out versus looper get out the two <laughs> get out the two seed looper the 15 seed um so yeah uh get out was a complete pleasant surprise that came out of nowhere for me february movie mm. uh it it and it and it was from jordan peele we didn't know what to think about jordan peele directing a movie at yeah. that time he had just come off of key and peele mm. ma- mainly known for comedy uh and so it was a trailer that came on that was like oh that looks pretty interesting we had no idea how much depth this what i what how much depth this horror movie essentially would have i'm trying to remember my mindset going into this i I remember looking forward to it but i don't think i had like super high expectations or anything i saw it in the theater and it was we did a mini pot on it didn't we yes we did yeah and uh i was just kind of had you know nice expectations it blew me away Mm -hmm. yeah i think it did that for a lot of people um big hit now in, in in one movie right by the time us came out like he was Hitchcock, practically, the yeah. way people were talking with anticipation for his next horror film. That's, I think, a testament to how good Get Out was. Mm-hmm. Not just a good horror movie, but kind of like exceptional. And it was his first time out. Um, <clears throat> and that movie, man, that movie is one of the most rewatchable horror movies ever because mm-hmm. of all that subtext and all that deep thought that went into it. I know a lot of people like to watch horror movies over and over again, but you're not watching you know, Halloween five over and over again because of the subtext. <laughs> you, you just like certain moments or certain actors or you know, nudity or what. I don't, is, <laughs> but you watch Get Out because you can see something new every time. Yeah. I've seen it four times now. And every time I've found some new wrinkle of understanding, um, I just I really, really, really like it. Yeah. I mean, everybody what impresses me is that there's no wasted space. Like even the most minor characters like Stephen Root. Or Lil Rel Howery to uh, Lakeith Stanfield and his kind of like minor role, Caleb Landry Jones in that fucking dinner uh, scene, mm-hmm. which is loaded with subtext. Yep. Uh, and and how menacing he is. Never seen him do anything like that uh, before or since. Uh, all the minor characters are just spectacular. Yeah. And uh, and Allison Williams is so great. Bradley Whitford is so great. Well, that's another thing. Allison Williams, I just knew from Girls, kind of like how I knew only Adam Driver for a while. Mm, yeah. So I didn't really expect much from her either in this. It's, uh, it's one of those star-making performances that you didn't really, you didn't know she had that in her because all you've seen her in is this one role and it's basically this one thing 
and everything. And so finally, there's some some chance to branch out. Of course, he branched out even further with that. Uh, oh, the perfection. The perfection. Yeah, that's a branching. Uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, um, uh, this movie has so much depth because you know it's 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 a horror. It's horror, but it's also like got some light comedy in it. Mm-hmm. It's also uh i don't know science fictiony mm-hmm. uh there's uh just a lot of just there's a lot of depth to it uh as far as what these people are doing yeah uh there seems to be some uh there seems to be racism here but it's a different kind of racism that we're that we don't really talk about a lot of times no and it's it's perfectly encapsulated by daniel kaluuya's performance mm-hmm. even when shit's okay and you know everybody's fawning over him yeah He's always got that suspicious look. Yeah. yeah, it's too good. It's too not too good to be true, but it's too something. He knows there's something up. Yeah, like he and and before he knows the scope of what's up, mm-hmm. he knows that there's something up because he's he's had that experience, and you can't you can't put yourself into that experience unless you've had it. As yeah. as much as you know, as as uh, Caucasian people or or any other race say, oh, I identify with the the black struggle. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. Don't. Mm-hmm. No, don't. Yeah. You got you got to have that look. There's that. Uh, there's that. A kind of. Uh, you know. I wish I could have voted for Obama for a third term. <laughs> that type of thing. We see that later on in uh, Ryan Johnson's Knives Out, which is funny because. You know, oh yeah. Because we're doing a Ryan Johnson movie in this too, but uh, but Ryan in Knives Out, everybody in the in the uh, movie says that I wanted Marta to be at the the funeral, but I was voted down. And yeah, everybody, yeah, yeah. Everybody's trying to have this brave face. Or like, you know, I really wanted you. I don't care about color and everything. And that's a lot about what's happening here. They don't, they claim not to care about color at all, but they are, they do because they think that, uh, they think that black people have all these great positive qualities that I want to have in myself Mm -hmm. and I don't see in myself. So that's why we're going after you. Yeah. And then of course, of course, Bradley Woodford, man, this guy Mm. (laughs) looking exactly like Joe Madden. Yeah. Yeah. He does. Bradley Woodford's got some range, man. Mm -hmm. He really does. Cause he's done, I mean, he was in fucking Billy Madison Mm -hmm. as like the comedic villain. Yeah. And then West Wing, of course, where he played both comedy and drama. And then this, you know, he's, He's a really interesting guy. Cabin in the woods. <laughs> I saw. I saw. Uh, I, was, I flipped on one of the movie channels the other day, and RoboCop three was on, Ooh, <laughs> and he's in that. One. Oh, is he oh, really? Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Man's got to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, three. But uh, but yeah, there's so much death, and, and and man, and when you had that, when you get to that point where Catherine Keener's like, now you're in the sunken place. You're like, oh my god, what the fuck is going on here? That was cool to see in the theater because. You get that really immersive sound experience where she's like sinking to the floor, and he's like, "What sink?" Yeah, and all of a sudden he goes, "Yeah, oh my god!" And Catherine Keener has a great performance in this too. It's it's you know they're playing despicable characters, but uh, they're doing it really really well. And you know the the whole teacup thing is was like instantly iconic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie just absolutely kicked me in the short and curly. I don't mm-hmm. think it's common, but the the freakiest part of the movie for me is when that groundskeeper is running directly at him yeah. and turns at the last minute. Like that is unsettling <laughs> as fuck. And there's like somebody gets stabbed with deer antlers in this movie later, but this is more unsettling. <laughs> than no, that. all that imagery, the the uh, Betty Gabriel character that comes in and and where he's like, you know, something's going on. She's like, no, no. Yeah, no, 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 and you no, can no, no, see no. her struggling inside of her head. Yep, 
God damn. I want to watch this movie. It's a good movie. I did, I, I, I'm, let's stop right now and watch it. <laughs> and we're back. Yes. <laughs> two hours later. Uh, it goes up against Looper. And unfortunately, out of this bracket, this is one movie I haven't seen since it came out in theaters, actually. Mm. I didn't did even, I wasn't even on the Sims video. Oh, really? Was that all you? It was yeah. just Jeremy. Why is there gold in the room? Go with that. That's one of my favorite just out of nowhere things in a Sims video. Because <laughs> it's in the middle of a series of things. It's like, why is this? Why is that? Why is there gold in the world? <laughs> uh, it's, it is super inventive. Um, you know, Ryan Johnson is, is carving out a really nice career here of original films. Um, there's some time travel here. There's, I didn't need the CGI Joseph Gordon Levitt mm. to look more like Bruce Willis, uh, but it's a super cool concept. Basically, you're a hitman and like then, um, uh, in the future, they send somebody back to kill you whenever they're done with you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this time he ends up getting sent back to kill himself, mm-hmm. but he doesn't want to do it. Or does he? Is he the only one that actually has to kill himself or is that the loop? That everybody, all the assassins everybody has to, everybody do has to do that eventually. Kill themselves, not they don't kill each other, right? They kill them, the older version of themselves. Yes. But they're super rich. That's and they how can, the loop is closed. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it, yeah, you're right. It is a great idea. And it's, if you put yourself in the context of the movie, would you do it? Like you, you live super rich for what, like 20, 25 years or something like that? And then, eh, all right, that's it. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't. <laughs> But because you have to kill people, I can see why people would. Um, Jeff Daniels is fucking awesome in this movie. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. The girl, the guy who plays Kid Blue, who's the actor's name I always forget. He's in Knives Out. Yeah, too. Noah Segan. He's fantastic in this movie. Oh, that is him. There's that great scene in the diner out in the middle of why is it the, why there's a cornfield in the uh, diner in the middle of a cornfield. I will never know. But the, that's a great scene where they sit opposite each other mm-hmm. and uh, have that famous sin about the. Was it steak? Uh, <laughs> some kind of steak. Yeah. <laughs> some kind of liver steak or some kind of weird steak was on the marquee in the background. Yeah. That was one of the, like, that was like the sixth or seventh video. Yeah, it was. It day. was very early into the uh, total the run. That was the birth of uh, Twitter, right? Yes, it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It because, was. Well, yeah. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think it has some of the same issues that a lot of time travel movies have in that if you, if you think about it, it's time travel too much. Specifically, that one scene where in the past they're chopping off dudes' fingers yeah, and shit, yeah. and in the future he's running and looking at his hand, and now his fingers are gone. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's how that works, mm-hmm. but um, <clears throat> it's still cool visually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emily Blunt's really good in this. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, what is her character? She's the girl on the farm that does the mother, not mother, to the magical kid that ends up being the yeah, demon right. lord, whatever he's called. The the Skeksy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there was a point there where it seemed like uh, you could confuse uh, several Emily Blunt movies where she's on a farm somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Like there's, uh, you know, Edge of Tomorrow. There's uh, Quiet Place. There's yeah. uh, there's a lot of these where she's just on a, she's on a farm somewhere. You could like definitely confuse. That's why I confuse completely unrelated. Kyle Chandler in a lot of movies because he's in argo he's in zero dark 30 he's in all these movies where he's like high up in some you know investigative body of yep. some sort uh-huh. and i'm like and i'm sitting there going okay now i remember there's the scene where he later on he does this and i was like wait a minute is that argo <laughs> or is that zero dark 30 <laughs> shit <laughs> um 
but yeah, Looper is really, really, really good. Uh, I need to see it again. Uh, the only reason I didn't come back to watch it is that it was going up against a movie that I was pretty sure was, was going to go through anyway. Uh, so I, I'm, I mean, that, you know, gives away the ghost. I'm, I'm voting for Get Out here. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, you've seen Brick, right? Have you mm -hmm. guys seen yeah. Brick? Yep. Brick is really good. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it in forever. Brick is really good. Although, <clears throat> I wish they would have dialed back the noir speak yeah. 10%. Yeah. Just 10%. It is a little bit Because it gets distracting, yeah. but it's so well plotted and acted. And even the the lookout is great. Um, he didn't do that. He didn't do the lookout. What's but the, it's it's very is that similar. Joseph Gordon Levitt? Yeah, Joseph yeah. Gordon Levitt's in it. Yeah. Now nah, fuck me. <laughs> uh, but uh, what was the? I don't know. Joseph Gordon Levitt has been in every Ryan Johnson movie some way somehow. Oh really? Uh, he was in Last Jedi. He was. Uh, uh, I think uh, he was on that uh, Casino Planet somewhere. Oh really? He was a robot or some shit. <laughs> oh, and remember. he's on the TV in Knives. He's out. on the yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, we have the nanny cam footage. <laughs> Um, I'm just saying that uh, uh, Ryan Johnson is a really good track record. I've does. never seen the Brothers Bloom. Have you ever seen oh, that? The, yeah, that was the one that I always forget about because it just it doesn't seem like part of his, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oeuvre. Um, <laughs> I always get it confused with the Matt Damon Brothers. Oh, Brothers. Brothers Grimm. 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 I always get it confused with that. I kind of like that. I've movie. seen this one, the Brothers. Bloom, yeah, Bloom. It's, it's Mark I've Ruffalo it. and uh, Adrian Brody, Rachel Weiss. I don't remember it very well, but I've seen it. Nice and yeah, show. he's got a good track record. Even even directed uh, arguably the best episode of Breaking Bad, Ozzy yep. Mandius. Yep, 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 yep. And the Black. smartest man I know, and you're too dumb to figure out he made his mind up five minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, do you like the Fly episode? I love it. I do too. I was surprised when you guys were doing the the TV sends on it. I didn't realize it was divisive. Oh yeah. I didn't realize that people didn't yeah, like it. Yeah, the IMDb does not rate... That's one of the lowest rated Breaking Bad episodes. It's insane. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I was I was like, that's, that episode seems very, I don't know, important to the yeah. series. And uh, and so I was, I was surprised, too. I thought for sure this would be way up. But anyway, I'm one of the people who loves that episode. Yeah, me, me too. too. Me too. Uh, I'm going with Get Out. <laughs> yeah, me too. Get Out. Get, Get out. out. Sorry, right Looper. now. Leave. It's too late for you and me. What did you say? Leave. He put the leave in there. Now. <laughs> Let me smell your dick. Yeah, exactly. Let me smell your dick. Um. <laughs> but my favorite part of Brick is when she's a brick and i'm drowning yeah. and this, that song comes over the thing and he's no yeah. you, know, you know what's crazy about that song is that we saw ben folds uh you you've stuck around for ben folds oh, it yeah. wasn't cake yeah uh, uh he'll drop that song in the middle of a set everybody's having a big old time he's doing like uh one crazy dwarf and two a hundred solemn faces or whatever it is. yeah and then all of a sudden he's like, Doo -doo -doo. <laughs> here's my song about abortion. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever go back to fucking like, you know, some Jesus land or something like that. Have you ever seen that clip of the news reporter guy who's like, um, hi, this is the nightly news at seven. Uh, uh, I'm filling in for uh, current, the normal reporter, John Smith or whatever. He was, he goes right into the story right after he says, after he says, I'm replacing John Smith tonight, he was found down dead in a marsh. 
like right and like he doesn't stop you're supposed to just kind of give it a pause oh my god but he but so, so i saw that running on twitter one day just people talking about that thing because he's like it's like hi i'm in for a normal reporter john smith he was found dead and I'm like, <laughs> like, yes i can't contain my excitement <laughs> uh the, so get out will go up against the winner of the seven seed the descendants and the 10 seed scott pilgrim versus the world this is probably my most difficult one okay the yeah. descendants has just come back on one of the movie channels i watched it two days ago yeah. good timing i accidentally yeah. <laughs> uh the descendants is alexander payne uh, i think maybe the only alexander payne we have on this bracket yeah the other candidates would have been nebraska which right. is sideways uh no, sideways, sideways was, was 2004 oh i forgot it was a decade yeah um but yeah oh, and I, downsizing i guess would be downsizing <laughs> yeah i was sitting there trying to think he hasn't done many uh downsizing definitely would not have made the descendants came out early on in the decade 2011 uh george clooney is uh is a as a lawyer who has uh the the keys to a trust uh of land that they've had that he's gotten through the years uh he's great 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 grandmother with some uh hot shit in hawaii yep uh some princess okay. or something that was her official leader, title yeah. Hot, yeah, shit. hot shit uh and uh and so uh there's a new law that comes into onto the books that uh says that you can't hold uh, land and trust anymore and they only have seven years to keep it um and so they so he and his just a cadre of cousins mm-hmm. uh, are trying to figure out who the best person to sell it to is and everything that's really just that's kind of an incidental uh thing though because uh and, and it may be burying the lead but that's the sort of the 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 background and everything but his wife has uh had a major like ski boat accident or mm-hmm. something like that and she's in a coma and very early on, you're told that she's not going to make it. Mm. Uh, and he's trying, he's for the first time, it seems like trying to be a father to his youngest daughter who still is kind of naive in the world and everything, but she's kind of acting out too. And, uh, and, uh, he goes to, he goes to, uh, get the other daughter who's like 17 and is in some, I can't remember what some sort of, some sort of school, some sort of private school. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, and stumbles on her like super drunk out in a, in a baseball field and everything. And, and, uh, and she's like, fuck mom and all that. And you're like, what's going on here? What is, what's, what's going on? And, uh, yeah, she's the, the mom has been cheating on George Clooney this whole time. We don't know with who. And so he's sort of driven to try to figure out who that is. Yeah. Mm. It's almost capery at times when he and the two daughters are like tracking this family down. He's on the beach and he passes the guy he thinks it is. And he turns around and starts fucking following him. Mm-hmm. At one, one point he goes up to that guy's wife on the beach and just starts talking to <laughs> yeah. her. Um, <clears throat> I realized when I was watching this two days ago, this is another movie that has a good example of na- uh, positive narration mm-hmm. because it's not simply expositional. There, there are one or two scenes like the Hawaii stuff where he's like explaining the land, but there's a scene after that meeting it's like the first 15 minutes he's going to the hospital and you hear him talking to himself and he's like it's it's going to be okay she's going to wake up i'm going to be a better husband we're going to be a better family unit together yada 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 and like it, that's in, immediately when he finds out she's not going to wake up mm-hmm. and it, it informs you of his state of mind throughout the film 
in ways that are important, I think, for the experience and not just expositional dumps of, I was born and blah, 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 blah. You no. Know, a glimpse into what he's thinking. State of mind is, is incredibly important. Imagine if this happened. Mm-hmm. Imagine how you would react to all of that happening at once. Yeah. You know, because it does become more about hunting down who the Matthew Lillard is and, like, instead of figuring out how to deal with the the grief and figuring out how to deal with the family like it's all these emotions wrapped up into one and of course he's got that monologue essentially at the end of it that unloads all that shit yeah you get the sense that he hasn't really had to do fathering that much and in fact the the one of the early things that they say is that he says is that you know he and his wife haven't been talking for a long time really they were actually straight up not talking for the last few days but then not really in any good sense have they been talking for the last months or years or something like that uh obviously he's dedicated to his lawyering practice and everything Mm. in fact uh he's so conservative that he doesn't even use the money that he has been given he's probably got what hundreds of thousands maybe millions of dollars And he's not, he only uses the money that he gets from his law practice. He feels, it seems like he feels kind of bad about that money that he didn't earn. And uh, that sort of informs his decision later on when he's just like, I'm not even going to sell this by the end of it. What is the decision at the end? I forget. Uh, Meaning that he gives it back to the, to the island essentially. Uh, So he thinks that with seven years, he can find a way to keep it. Oh, okay. Uh, he he feels bad. He feels weird about having land that was never his, and because of some weird thing, he's got it. Uh, and of course, all the things that are have happened in the movie that have let have, have led him to this decision. And I think that final uh, nail in the coffin is when he walks into that house with all the pictures, and he looks at all these pictures of the people, his descendants, mm. and uh, and he and he says, you know, this isn't really mine to sell they 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 wanted they entrusted me with this i need to do something with this and yeah all the stuff that you see with all the people who are trying to buy this land all of it's offensive oh yeah like it's ridiculously offensive what they want to do with it like you see this beautiful like land uh surrounded by this sort of parabolic uh set of rocks Hmm. and everything and it's a beach and there's just this, it's this secluded looking area and everybody's putting like, you know, huge neighborhoods yeah. and water slides <laughs> and resorts. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, even early on when his daughter is in trouble for texting one of her friends saying something about everybody knows you got pubes last summer. (laughs) (laughs) The woman calls and says, I want Scotty to come over and apologize for that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so she comes over and then there after, after that whole, like, you know, parenting thing happens and he's walking out, the mom's like, I hear about you sell. And she's now she's completely out of parent mode. She's just like, we hear you about you. So you're going to sell that land and everything. It's like a lot of us around here hope you don't do it. And he's like, and he's like, okay. And he's like, cause you know, the traffic. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's uh, in it for their own thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Bo, Bo Bridges is trying to convince him to sell. Right. But he's, yeah, well, he's the main, he's sort of the main ringleader guy who's, who wants the, 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 the family, there's a lot of people in the family who are poor now or they're in debt or something like that. And they really need this. And like the highest bid, 
I think I hear in the movie is 500 million. Jesus. Uh, for this land. So like, this is going to be a huge windfall for everybody. But, uh, but yeah, Bo Bridges. This is the first time I've actually seen his brother in his in a performance. I know, Ooh. and it's really good too. I'm yeah. glad. I, I wish he would get a little more opportunity. I do too. I don't know if it's just I don't know. He's Bo Bridges has obviously had a huge, huge career. Mm-hmm. It's not like, but he's never been leading man or anything. He's never like been that. like Jeff. Yeah. Yes, but like, uh, but he, yeah, this is the first time. Like for a while there, I was just like, man, do these are these guys even brothers? Sometimes because yeah. it, there's barely any like there's barely any similarities in the way they act and everything. But in this one, they're like, oh, this is very similar. To it this. is. You were saying that some of them are poor and some of them are, are really counting on. Them. They're not wrong, right? Like no, they, they're they're set up to be almost antagonists to to Clooney's character. But but they're not wrong. They're not wrong. There is some moment at the end where they try to where they try. To, I don't know if this was Payne's intent, but uh, where he where Bo Bridges says, "I don't care if you're a lawyer, we're going to come after you." But we're not. Gonna, I don't want to come after you, man. We're family, mm, right. you know. And I think the idea for him is, yeah, we may be family, but it's not like we're like hanging out and buddies all the time right. or anything. You know, you're you're being friendly now because because I hold the keys to this trust um but yeah uh it's not family like in fast and furious right where it actually means something right i mean a quarter mile at a time (laughs) but uh but yeah so uh shailene woodley is awesome in this i felt like she got um she got shafted on the oscars actually uh of that year and i actually went through it that year that it happened and i said i could probably see this person go in place of her uh, she's playing yet another. This is something that I'm finding about myself uh, uh, lately. I really like these real performances. These people that are playing real people. They're mm-hmm. not all dolled up and they're not all, uh, you know, it, there's something about them that seems relatable to me. And she, that's what she's playing in this. And uh, and so I really like, in fact, I may like her in this more than anything I've seen her after. You can see that. Uh, and she's only, I think, 19 in this movie. Oh, yeah. Wow. And uh, and so uh, I, I don't know what she's been doing since the, like, Allegiant and all those movies, mm. the Divergent movies and all that. And I haven't seemed to see her very much, but I know she's she got, got arrested ta- at the oil pipeline. That's oh, yeah, that's doing. right. <laughs> Oh, she was in that uh, that uh, sailing boat movie. Oh yeah, adrift, adrift. It's pretty decent. Yeah, mm. it actually looked. Pretty I, decent. I haven't seen her in a while, so I mean, and she's got a lot of projects and stuff. It's not like she's not been doing anything. It's just that whatever I haven't seen her, and she's great in this. Clooney's great. I love the the scene where Clooney goes to confront this Matthew Lillard yeah. character, and uh, and and Judy Greer's there, and and uh, there's this there's this sort of idea like you and Shailene Willie go off in, into the house. Uh, I'm going to talk to him about this. And uh, actually, this is before they go into the house. Uh, it's him, Shailene Woodley, and and Matthew Lillard. Judy Greer goes off into the house, and uh, he has brought up without any context. It's like, oh, I think you knew my wife Elizabeth or whatever, mm-hmm. and and you see Matthew Lillard's face kind of like yeah know her and uh mm-hmm. and everything and so judy greer goes in the house and he goes elizabeth is elizabeth is dying just the first thing he says he's like oh wait a minute fuck you <laughs> um, <laughs> 
also, she's dying. <laughs> Man, I love that fucking boyfriend character so much. Oh, he's great. He's great. <laughs> Surfer. I mean, he's basically doing Spicoli or whatever, yeah, yeah. but he's still funny as hell. Yeah, he's, he starts off rubbing you the wrong way completely. Yep. But then there's that conversation that he has with Clooney, like in the middle of the night and everything. Yeah. Really sort of turns you around on, I think turns it around on Clooney too. Clooney yeah. turns around on him. Uh, because at first he's, all he does is just say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then when he wakes him up in the middle of the night and everything, there's that whole thing. He's like, I'm smart. And he goes, you are the farthest thing from smart. <laughs> and he goes, nah, man, I, I, uh, I, I do this. I'm in the chess club, I'm vice president of the chess club. Uh, I always have weed. <laughs> 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 so your mom must be very proud of you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it, you know Clooney trying to be a father and trying to just, he's trying to juggle two major things all at once and everything, and uh, and uh, really well done. This is this is up there uh, in the uh, Alexander Payne catalog. Oh, yeah. it's it's number two or one A for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think the decision he makes at the end is sort of to make amends for having been such a bad husband and such an absent father. Mm -hmm. And here is this other thing in my care, in my trust. I'm at least going to make the right decision here because mm -hmm. I fucked up all the other ones. Yeah. Anyway, I love this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. And then mm -hmm. it goes up against Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Another director, by the way, who seems to have an absence in this bracket, but mainly because he hasn't done much. Mm -hmm. Baby Driver was good, but mm -hmm. it wasn't bracket good. Mm -hmm. um, and then he had... Half the, of Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he was supposed to do Ant-Man and then didn't. So how many... Has he done anything else? The, thr Baby the trilogy. And they were, oh, they were he did uh, the that World's End. World's End, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was not the best of that trilogy. I mean, it the was the world's end. The world's end, yeah, because yeah, the fucking movie and fucking Pirates of the Caribbean came out. Same <laughs> well, and uh, there was a whole other Seth Rogen end of the world yeah. movie that came out the same year too. Yeah, exactly. They're all coming. It came out. They're all trying to be the world end of the world. Fuckers. People love that the world's end. Mm -hmm. I, I've watched it and I, I enjoyed it. But I've, the, I've watched it three times, and I've like there's parts that I love. Yeah, but. I don't, I'm not down. I'm not down with it. I don't know. Maybe it's because, maybe it's because those particular kind of alien invasion movies are not, are not as prevalent as what they're making fun of with Hot Fuzz and mm -hmm. what they're making fun of with zombie movies. Mm -hmm. That's more of like uh, you know, Children of the Damned or mm -hmm. or uh, uh, what is it? Um, it's the Donald Sutherland Invasion of the Body Invasion Snatchers. Invasion of the Body yeah. Snatchers. Uh, that's the one that it's trying. It's really going. I think it's really going for and everything. But man, yeah, there's some something about that one. Yeah. Anyway, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World on first glance is a little bit different from all those movies that that Cornetto trilogy sure. and everything. But there are a lot of Edgar Wright things in this, even though it's a big studio film and everything like that, and uh, uh, it's. Um, it's based on a comic book. I guess it's got a cult following. I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if it's a huge following, but it had a cult following. And I think some of the people who love the comic book hate this movie. I'm not sure. Oh, really? I'm not sure. Uh, um, but um, I love this movie. I thought it was uh, it was something completely different. Mm -hmm. it, do it does have some hyper stuff in it. Mm -hmm. The video game aspect of it is like he goes way over the top on that stuff. And I think it's fine. Mm -hmm. Um but uh this movie's just so funny, man. Yes, it is. Oh my god. 
casually funny. Yeah. I mean, all the stuff, you can argue that the Kieran Culkin character is just all jokes, mm -hmm. but it's all jokes, all completely deadpan. Yeah. And it's how they interact with each other. And, uh, you know, they sleep in the same bed, yeah. but it's just like, whatever. Yes. It's like, it, they, they label all the stuff that's Scott Pilgrim's and then his roommates, and like, he's got his shoes, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, the, uh, there's that point where Culkin goes, goes to him and goes um uh, i'm gonna need you out of the out of the uh, house tonight i need the bed for sex <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what this has got well now kieran Culkin's most known for succession i guess at this point yeah uh but this has got one of the highest per capita uh famous people uh yeah, cast of all oh, time and this movie's full of people you yeah know. you didn't you didn't know at the time how big brie larson would be or chris evans chris evans is so fucking yeah good. yeah, yeah he is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what is it he says uh i always do this when i'm getting blazed in my winnie yeah <laughs> it's, like, it's my stunt man sometimes i let him do the wide shots when i want to get blazed in my winnie yeah <laughs> It's so great. It's so fucking great. Uh, fucking Anna Kendrick shows up out of nowhere very yeah. briefly. Aubrey Plaza, uh, Brandon Routh, uh, mm -hmm. who at the time was was a pretty big deal because of Superman. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just it's it's amazing and how everybody works together. The only knock that I have with this movie because we we just watched it again recently is the absolute zero chemistry that I see between Michael Cera and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, same here. Uh, it's almost. A creepy type of thing. Yeah, he he stalks her at the beginning, and yep. we're still in in that era where stalking is like used as kind of a funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in the Descendants, they there's a point where he says, "I don't know if we should do this. This feels kind of stalky or something like that." Yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of seen as an, an almost endearing thing. But even even when even when he they're not going out and he's trying to he doesn't do anything to really impress her or mm. doesn't seem like she's responding to anything and then just suddenly it's like eh, okay i'll just go out with you and now we're boyfriend and girlfriend and yeah and part of it could be and we've talked about this that that she's had that chip the g chip in the whole time yeah or maybe not but there and and maybe she's trying to play it off because she doesn't want him to get uh in in battles with their exes but at the time that they're officially dating, they're like, you know, supposedly attracted to each other. She's like, well, you're going to have to defeat my exes and all that stuff. They still have zero chemistry. Yeah. He's like, can we make out? And she's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the super high voice in this. <laughs> there's even a point where. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> can we make out? <laughs> there's even a point where, uh, you know, they, they go back to her place and, and she's like, I got to go change. And then he goes and walks walks to the room where she's changing and uh she goes he's like she's like dude i'm changing and he's like i'm sorry and he closes his eyes and then when he opens his eyes she's right there in front of yeah, him yeah it's such a weird thing i don't i don't get it either it's one of those like it forced forced uh couplings yeah i don't i don't like it either. he has much better chemistry with knives he does <laughs> he does even though she's in high school there's a lot of icky shit mm. in this in this movie yeah. but yeah. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, I, the my favorite scene in in is a small one. There's a and there's a ton of stuff that I just love about it. But uh, there's a point where Allison Pill, who's who's great in this too. <laughs> oh God, another fucking yeah. Famous person. Allison Pill is uh, the drummer of their band, and uh, and she's like they're about to do this battle of bands, 
and uh, she looks out on the stage and she goes, they've got a girl drummer. <laughs> and she's like really angry about it and everything. And so like, so like, uh, so that band plays, that band is awesome too. They're so funny. Like, it's like, we're going to play a song now the way I hate, I really, really, really hate you. Um, and, uh, and, uh, so they play their song and everything. You see Allison Pill looking at, looking at this drummer with, with this, with this anger and everything. Band goes off. They get on. They're the sex bombs. They start singing, and Allison Pills like you see her drumming, and it's like doom, doom, do doom, doom, do doom, doom, and it's like all these like shots of everybody watching the band, people in the band, and then just one brief shot of the drummer from the other band looking with this look on her face, like she's the same, she's got that same idea. Oh my God, they have a girl drummer, <laughs> and it's just brief. It's such a brief thing. That's what Edgar Wright knows how to just edit. You know, I don't know who he uses as his editor, but they collaborate perfect on all all of his movies. There's a perfect editing uh, chemistry on that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, just think about like in uh, in uh, Shaun of the Dead, where Simon Pegg is talking about all the things that they need to do, and then by the time they by the time they get to the end of it, where they're at the Winchester or whatever, like all those different things, those scenarios yeah. and everything. The way he edits that stuff is great, and he does. A, there's a ton of that in here. Pick up mum, grab uh, grab the girlfriend, and uh, we celebrate with a pint. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, you mentioned uh, a little bit about the music. The music in this movie is fucking great. Dude. Mm-hmm. Most of it was written by Beck, uh, but it's totally unique. It's punk as fuck. It's uh, it at least the uh, sex bomb stuff is. Uh, the rest of it is super super good. Uh, it's metric uh, that Brie Larson plays yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That song that they do is like a legitimately fucking great song. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've heard the song, right? The uh, uh I forget how it yeah. goes. Yeah, hello again, friend, friend of a, a friend. friend. Yeah, I knew. I could sing you. you well. all, I could sing all the songs from Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is one of the most unique movies I've ever seen. I absolutely love it. I could I could masturbate to it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I have. Yeah. Wow. Oh, oh, you know what? I've seen this so many times. Mm-hmm. I figure I knew every f- famous person that was involved with it. Did not until this most recent uh th- I'm doing a Bernie Sanders. You are. Did not. <laughs> <laughs> until this uh thing find out that Bill Hader was the voice of the narrator. Oh yeah, that's right. Back he, in the day. Yeah, he's like uh this is like um what do you see when he says uh we broke up uh it wasn't that bad. That's wrong. It was brutal. You know. Um, I was just watching Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead the other day. Yeah. I hadn't seen it in maybe 10 years. Mm-hmm. You seen it recently? Oh, yeah. I saw it a couple years ago. The guy who plays Hamlet is fucking Jorah Mormont from Game yeah. of Thrones. Yes. Ian Glenn. I didn't know that. Like, I had seen Rosencrantz and Guildenstern way before Game of Thrones came out. I didn't know that guy. That movie holds all the way up. I saw it about two months ago or so. It sure uh, does. Absolutely fucking love yeah, it. Yeah, it's awesome. Dreyfus is awesome in there, too. Dreyfus <laughs> is a lot awesomer than I remembered, actually. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, what wins between these two, the Descendants and Scott Pilgrim? I'll vote. Go ahead. Descendants. Okay. I think maybe Barrett is torn. The descendant. It's one of those situations where the Descendants is a much better movie, mm-hmm. uh, but I think Scott Pilgrim is is maybe one of the most unique movies I think I've ever seen, and I, I, I stand behind that. Maybe the most uh, unique movie I've ever seen, at least a mm-hmm. major studio release. Talking yourself into it. Here he goes. Uh, yeah, I'm going to vote Scott Pilgrim. That's one oh. of my favorite movies of the last decade. See, now I have to make the decision. <laughs> 
Um, I agree. I think in this case where we have these two movies that I think there are, there's, uh, they're essentially equal. Uh, what is, what is the factor that I'm going to go for here? Is it, is the originality of it? Um, is it, there's, is it something we have, you know, it, the, the descendants I do think is a better movie. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with Scott Pilgrim as well. Oh, Oh, you commies. Um, the, <laughs> sorry but that, some of these some of, look it, not that it matters because a lot of you come in and comment anyway with hate uh but um these are impossible these yeah, yeah. some of these matchups are impossible yeah this one was rough because i absolutely adore the descendants but, yeah uh, and and in retrospect yes of course it's a better movie but man i'll watch scott pilgrim 20% more times than I'll watch Yeah, the I mean, it's sort of like, uh, you know, it's like a two out of three times I'll yeah, watch yeah, this yeah. one. I'm just saying you guys officially offended all of the people of Hawaii with that choice. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, we really offended them when we didn't put Aloha in the bracket. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to uh, the number one seed, Ex Machina, Ooh. versus the 16 seed, Planet of the Apes, which we are... Uh, we are saying is the full trilogy which is a completely arbitrary decision by the way it is completely arbitrary it makes is. no sense yeah there's no rules there no. are times there are times where you just walk in that razor's edge and you just got to make a decision <laughs> right you know i mean we probably could have just made this dawn yeah, yeah, yeah because it's the best one yeah but uh i it, it is telling a story i think from beginning to end in three movies the you know the while all of them sort of stand alone they it you can see this as one full thing so uh that's why we went that way uh but i mean if we wanted to great if we wanted to judge it based solely on dawn i don't think that's going to change much maybe and, not you've seen how many apes movies have you seen <laughs> uh, like c counting all of them i saw the did you see the original i one? saw the original one i've seen pieces of other of the yeah. the the old series uh but uh and i've got all of them but i haven't I haven't seen them so it was that one the tim burton one and the, all of the new ones so do, do you know how many they made uh like officially made i, think it was back five. In the day? I was gonna say five yeah. it was five it was, back in the day so it was like planet of the apes conquest of the planet beneath the planet of the apes um the orgy on the planet of the, the orgy <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yes, monkey sex noises has just become part of the Sincath canon. Um, let me let me look this up real quick. We can give them all all. You know, I went back about uh, a year ago and rewatched that Tim Burton one because I was like, maybe I've been too harsh on this thing. Maybe you know, and after a while, it's it's gotten better. That is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire oh, life. It's such shit. Uh, frustrates the fuck out of me about mark Wahlberg because he can act he can act occasionally <clears throat> no he can well, more often than not he's not i mean he's he's got modes he's got speeds but like in boogie nights he he showed like a pretty good range in uh in uh, departed he had one can speed. i can i be honest with you what? i think in boogie nights his performance is pretty bad but it looks good because the character's supposed to be a bad actor yeah you make an interesting point yeah <laughs> No, I agree with that. I remember seeing that movie kind of going, why do I like him in this? Because it's not really he's doing anything amazing. It's just the movie's great and he is playing a bad actor. So it's hard to put my finger on 
well, if he's really doing a great job yeah. here. All right, maybe he's I'm just a star, situational. I'm a star, I'm a star. <laughs> um, maybe he's not. Maybe he can't. We're guaranteed a record deal, but we can't get the record deal until we get our tapes. Yeah, our stuff is that good. <laughs> <laughs> you got the tape. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, in the, uh, the original, you had Planet of the Apes. You had Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, and Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Mm. I wonder how those line up linearly. Because at the end of the original first movie, Heston does the whole, you, you, you goddamn whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's to imply that this is well into the future, right? They've evolved, and he's time-traveled, right? Yeah, well, or he's on another planet. He's, he's on, on a different... He's on a planet where there are apes running things and not... He doesn't know it's Earth until the end. Right, that's what I'm saying. The It's, it's the... The acknowledgement at the very end that the planet of the apes is actually yeah, Earth, he thinks just hundreds of years in advance. It was Earth yeah, all the very beginning of this movie is them on the ship and they right. and 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 there's uh they know that there was a course correction or he does I think he may be the only one. no no there are there's two other two other guys mm-hmm. I think uh and that but there's other people on the ship who have died uh they know that there was some sort of course altering thing and they don't know how many years or how many how how far off they've been knocked out but they land on this planet and they just think it's another planet right. because they've been out there for however many however long uh it's been probably thousands of years at this point maybe hundreds i don't know uh but uh but yeah that's how it how it how it all sets up yeah no i'm just wondering and i'll go back and, and look at it like if if he's trying to get back to his timeline or if he's just trying to survive or if the, the, the survivors are just trying to survive. Well, he's not even in most of the sequels. I don't think so. He's in, I think, the second one. Is he really? But then it becomes more Roddy McDowell series. Oh, yeah, because they actually sympathize with... Is he Caesar? In, he's, not, in, he's, he's an ape. In, in, <laughs> um, in fact... Um, yeah, in fact, uh, I don't think Heston's in any of the uh, sequels. Uh, but yeah, Roddy McDowell does. It does become he is Caesar. Okay, um, <laughs> he's an ape too. Yeah, <laughs> I need to speak with Caesar. Anyway, uh, so let's talk about Planet of the Apes. Uh, I was not expecting much from uh, Rise when it came out. Uh, it's because you know you've already been burned on this Tim Burton one uh how is this going to be i mean and, and this is going to be telling the same story again but they these are actually work as prequels essentially it is in the same timeline right as the original ones uh, i don't know if they ever officially said no it's it's kind of like we took that as a model and now we're making ours we're going to work our way to that, but we're not beholden to anything that happened in the original. Right. Oh, okay. But right. but they do reference like the uh, the ship being launched, yep. right? Yes. Okay. That okay. happens uh, in the first one for sure, and I don't remember. I guess it happens in the second I one. I think there's yeah. something in the second but one. But the too. first one for sure, because they talk about the rocket that's about to launch and, and everything. Uh, obviously, really scary, of course, at the very end of Rise is the whole uh, credit sequence where they're showing the, the virus that is going around. Uh, I don't want to watch that movie right now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, that that first one is James Franco. He's 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 trying to come up with a uh, a cure for I think it's Alzheimer's. Yep. And John Lithgow is his dad, and he's trying to because John Lithgow's got the got Alzheimer's, 
and um and he's trying to find something that uh you know testing on apes that will make brain power better and everything and of course he finds this one the one that he injects is caesar um that uh, becomes super smart is it because of caesar or because of his discovery or is it both wait his he injects the mother oh yeah he injects the mother and then the mother gives birth and he sneaks the baby out and then discovers the baby also inherited the advanced smarts from the mom okay so it's, it's mostly him as an individual ape right meaning it's not the super serum it's more of caesar being caesar no, no the super serum went through his mama's uterus and became part of him. Yes, I got you. I got you. So he and um and then from at the end of this movie, he's cracking open that thing and throwing it at all these apes, and that's mm. how you get Koba and mm. whatnot. But then the rest, I believe, he just teaches how to talk yes. and sign language and whatnot. So he becomes a leader not because of genetics necessarily or special gifts, just because he's the first one and yes. he's just like a natural. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd forgotten that there's the, 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 that scene where he's, he's injected the mother and the mother goes like crazy and, and, uh, they have to put her down. Right. Is yeah. It, something like that. She, she dies is the point. And yeah, because the baby doesn't have a home. Mm. I think uh, he even finds the baby in the cell afterwards and he's like, Oh, I'm going to take the baby home. Yes. Maybe he's got one of the best. Uh, of the entire series, one of the best moments is that no moment. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. It is the best moment of the entire trilogy because, I mean, he's full on speaking sentences, the other two. But up until then, you haven't heard him speak. And ah, it's just built up perfect. Mm-hmm. He's screaming at oh, God. I love it. Yeah. He even, he even has to run up against Draco Malfoy. He does. Oh, shit. And Brian Cox. Brian Cox. They're both I was, telling, I was telling Barrett the other day, there's like there's this phenomenon I'm seeing uh, lately where like uh, – and I'll I'll turn on some random movie and there'll be an actor in it and whatever. And I won't see the whole movie, but I'll, you know, a few hours later, I'll turn on another movie and that same actor is in a different movie <laughs> and then so on and so forth. That's happened so many times in the last two months or so. Brian Cox was in like four or five movies that I just happened to turn on. And I think it was all in a row, too. <laughs> he was in uh, he was in uh, that uh, The Ringer. Oh, yeah. uh, he was in. Uh, yeah, he was. There was a couple others that just showed up. He was just, just kind of came out of nowhere and showed up. <laughs> uh, but um, but yes, uh, the uh, that that movie's great. But but Dawn, of course, is the the cream of the crop mm-hmm. of this whole thing. It's so that's the one where uh, there's just some amazing like camera work, some amazing staging, some great drama to it and everything. Cap, uh, greatness oh, too. So good. And we, we talk a lot about Andy circus for good reason, mm-hmm. but Toby Kebble, we don't talk about maybe enough, uh, in this whole thing. I think he's carved out just as good a niche niche as he has. He's not as famous as Andy circus. Cause he's never playing the main person. Mm-hmm. But he's fucking fabulous, man. Oh, yeah. He's menacing as shit. This yeah. movie also gives us, if the no moment in the first movie is the, the best moment, the best shot in all three movies is that 360 it's of the tank so good. in the middle of that battle. And it makes me sexually aroused to think about that man making a Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy because the first one was Rupert, Rupert Wyatt, yes. right? who really hasn't done a whole lot, I don't think. And and Matt Reeves really hadn't done a whole lot. He'd done Cloverfield and uh, Let Me In before this. Yeah, and he fucking just nailed it. And he nailed. I, mean, I think even even War is is pretty damn good, yeah, um, cinematically for sure. Yeah, and so yeah, I'm really excited. I think that's Batman's gonna be awesome. I yeah. think it will be too. Yeah, and they keep 
coming out with these like here's a preview of what this looks that like that batmobile is so fucking rad it's fucking awesome <laughs> it looks fucking awesome i can't wait yes uh so yeah uh it goes up against ex machina which of course is a movie that we have high high regard <laughs> you're gonna say which is of course going to win <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh ex machina is uh is is one of those i don't know if it was ex- i don't know if it was a surprise that it was so good uh, I think I I think this is one of those movies that had come in, uh, finally came here to Nashville with already mm. tons of you know like oh this is the the best movie since blah 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 and all that. Um, oh, that's right. Because I remember I was in Chicago at this point and I had gone to see it the opening night Thursday night or something like that downtown and I texted or I tweeted out like the uh, the the marquee or whatever. And I remember Jeremy going like, did you see it? Because I don't think it had come to Nashville yet or no, something like that. There's a delayed release. Yeah, I mean, just any of those uh, independent features that are, you know, they're going to come to Chicago, New York, L.A. first. And then everybody is, all the critics and all the people who are living in those areas are going to talk about it. Yeah, I knew nothing about it. And I just knew that it was supposed to be good. I, you know, it of course it piqued our interest because we had been using so many Dave's Ex Machina sins <laughs> yeah. that it was fun that a movie called Ex Machina was coming <laughs> out. Uh, but uh, I had heard that it was great. I just we we had to wait for it to get here yeah. and everything. Um, but another great premise. Uh, somebody, you know, we have uh, Donal Gleason uh winning a uh, winning something at his uh at his work to uh to go and spend a week with oscar isaac who's the head of the company he's the steve jobs of this fictional company yes he's like an evil even more evil steve (laughs) (laughs) what is it it's like globo brain or something like that right that sounds right he's apple slash google like but it's an actual brain that that can predict algorithms and stuff like that and he goes to this house that's ridiculous uh is that a set or is that a house well, after seeing Parasite, I'm inclined to think it might have been a set, uh, but I want to live there. I, it is. I do, too. I, I totally want to live at this it's place. Like a, it's like a retro future compound of luxury. There's a landscape, Juvet Landscape Hotel in Valdalen, Norway, and then the other stuff was at Pinewood Exteriors. Studios. Exteriors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was mostly set, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, I mean it's uh, it's a it's the lap of luxury. It's out in the middle of nowhere. He's got an ungodly amount of acres. I, I think they mention how many he's got. I think there. they do, but you have to take a helicopter to get to this house. Yes, the, I think the guy the guy in the helicopter says it says uh, we're over his property right now, yeah. but we're still we're still got another fifteen minutes yeah. to get to <laughs> something like that. Uh, so yeah, the uh, the he wants Oscar Isaac wants Donald Gleason to uh basically do this do the experiment that is known as the um turing test turing, turing test mm-hmm. uh can you figure out that this this uh, mo- this android or whatever this robot that i've made is is an android or a robot i guess it's a robot uh is it an android no it's an android uh, because yeah, it's, it's got human features and stuff like that but that's what i love about it he gives it away right yeah yeah he he's like it's like it's easy for me to to say here go into this room and then try to figure out or whatever but he tells him right off well and and plus she's in full android like she's not looking like a human at least at the the beginning even when she puts the dress on and everything she still has like her circuitry showing Mm. so there's no (laughs) your circuits are showing (laughs) yeah we all know you got circuits over the summer it's such a fascinating (laughs) 
thought he should just come over and apologize right now. Uh, it's it's a great premise because you can see like how is it possible that he's going to to make that determination that she's a human being when she doesn't even look nearly like mm-hmm. a human being except for her face. Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. It's so beautifully constructed. Yeah. It's, it's a think movie with maybe one or two ominous notes until the last 10 minutes when it becomes flat out a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the ending of this movie. Oh, it's the best. So fucking much because I feel like a big studio and a less daring director ends that movie differently and maybe a little more optimistically. You're talking about the very, very end. I'm talking about the fate of Donald Gleason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this a, is that an, is him getting trapped at the end of this thing? Is that an indictment on the nice guy syndrome? Ooh. Where he, the only reason why he wanted her to be free is because he was attracted to her. Because he was attracted to her. Not because of some inner good that he has. Yeah. Uh, I got that sense that, and of course, uh, we'll never know because she found a way she she knew that there was the, a way to get out and it was to appeal to his you know his uh his boners mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and he knew that she knew that that she could do that and manipulate him into doing that but uh and, and the the question would be would she have let him go if he had just wanted to do that from the very beginning and it wasn't all about i'm attracted to you and everything like oh. that would she have still just trapped him in there and just said, oh, humans are bad. I'm just going to. Is that the reason that she does? Is that she made the determination that, that humans. No, she doesn't trap him in there. He gets trapped in there through circumstances. Well, oh, really? but he, but then he asked, he, he was hoping she would let him out. Yes. That that's, I, I guess, contextually, I should say he asked for her help to get out and she doesn't let right. him yeah. out. Right. I, I feel like if he'd have been outside the room, she would have just killed him. And of course, he's that's so poetic too, right? Because now he's in a room, and mm-hmm. she, that's what she was this whole time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I just love that shit so much. Yeah, uh, she's also fucking out in New York City now, so look out. Yeah, like going on a murder it's rampage. Singularity. Or no, turn no, no. into a a cyber hooker. There was a there's there's <laughs> yes. This, <laughs> there are two options. They they leave it open at the end because we don't we don't know if she just creates a life for herself and and you know becomes um you know one of us one of us uh but i do know that i think though it's either rumored or it was actually part of the script at one time that when she goes to the helicopter guy at the end when the helicopter guy is asking her where she wants to go it cuts back to her and there's a whole bunch of like computer static crap that she's not really even seeing like you Mm -hmm. know it's not like a human being at all uh and uh and and so it was to sort of inform you that yeah it's a robot still and you know it's it's not thinking human thoughts or whatever mm. but obviously they wisely took that out mm. um because uh i think it's it's good for you to kind of know whether i kind of figure out for yourself is she going to just break down one day and just everybody realizes she's a robot there's a robot among us yeah um yeah like i said i've i've always thought that this was the beginning of the singularity of where once you have a sentient robot that has passed the Turing test, or Android, I should say, uh, AI, really, mm-hmm. uh, that has that has manipulated humanity into thinking that they are a real person, then it's going to accelerate exponentially. Mm-hmm. And so, once she steps out on the the streets of New York, 
humanity as we know it is over. Because of she's going to be a cyber hooker. Yeah. In a manner of speaking, she's going to completely end the sex worker industry and replace everybody with robots. Mm-hmm. So how much bullshit do you think Oscar Isaac is throwing his way when he says that I've built a vagina for her and everything and she feels she feels having like she when you have sex with her she feels it and everything do you think she he actually did that or is that something to make donald gleason's head start i think it's both Mm -hmm. yeah isn't he fucking that other robot it's implied yeah but i don't know if that i don't know if, if anything that we saw shows that he's built that far no i mean i i it, it sounds like it, it would be something that he would do mm-hmm. like he definitely yeah. built skin with boobs on it for mm-hmm. them to put on that's true that's but then true. but then he's also tremendously cruel to to his creations you mm-hmm. see in that montage of other you know the previous versions and everything mm-hmm. where he's just beating the fuck out of them so mm-hmm. who knows you're, you're right it, it may be just bullshit to humanize her more mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh yeah i love that ending too the uh, the just the traps and like he's trapped she doesn't help him she she leaves i'm gonna have my own life now uh yeah ex machina is excellent um uh easy enough i'm gonna pick ex machina here ex machina ex machina yeah sorry apes <laughs> ex machina will go up against the winner of the eight seed black swan versus the nine seed dunkirk <laughs> talk about two movies that are so polar opposite yeah two uh chris nolan's in this region uh we do we do um i i rewatched these uh i ah. had not seen black swan since it came out i hadn't seen dunkirk since it came out um uh black swan is uh i'm trying to think if this might be darren aronofsky's best movie well what is what is it the upper echelon pie probably um requiem requiem for a dream um wrestler wrestlers up there noah the fountain i think i think like the wrestler is my favorite of all of his movies even more than black swan um but they're both right up at the top i think i would say that this is my favorite of his this is where this is the movie where i think natalie portman officially became an actor Mm -hmm. i i i i like her performances before this they were fine Mm -hmm. i never really thought anything like great uh, like never thought she was like oh she's just really going for it here or anything like that in these movies and she Maybe, was so young right like the professional she was very good but yeah she, was she also started as young. a child actress and of course she's great as the child as a child actress and everything but then like as she got into i don't know what it was where there were the choices that she was given you know those there's some stupid romantic comedies in there mm. there's some stupid other crap um uh there's and then there's v for vendetta but i don't even know if she's great in that either she's not she is in that one moment when she realizes he's been tormenting her mm-hmm. she said that's the you're evil yeah, yeah. She, i think she really gives it her all in that scene but i think you're right this is the first time i ever saw her as more than a good actress and saw her as a awards contending actress. you could in fact i did watch black swan with this kind of uh thought you could you could watch this movie as a critique of her and her career almost. You could. Because 
she is too good and too nice and she never seems like she goes into that dark side ever he keeps trying to push her into her sexuality yes which as an actress she hadn't really done yeah and 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 i know that there's been a lot of complicated things with natalie portman over the years uh considering i know that she didn't feel comfortable as a child actor because even then there were grown men who were like i want to fuck her Mm. and all that and in and people who were like you should do nude scenes and all that and i'm not comfortable with that and all these i mean there's even a whole movie where a guy a guy three times her age kind of wants to fuck her it's called beautiful girls yeah that's true that's true so i know that natalie portman uh and in fact you can see it in a lot of the scenes where she is supposed to like it's supposed to be sexy or whatever she doesn't look comfortable even in uh annihilation where she's not everything's filmed from the back and everything that i think a lot of times they put her in situations where it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So that annihilation sex scene just seems like it's uncomfortable in general. And there's never been a point where I felt like, man, she's really just, you know, she's just so, I mean, even closer. She's, I don't, she's so, you, she's so innocent, quote unquote, yeah. in that movie that she's, she's very childlike in that movie. So even in that strip club scene, it's not, sexy necessarily not, no not yeah. really so it, you could actually look at this as she's perfectly cast essentially uh because that is the way we looked at natalie portman for the longest time because she always played these nice girls and she doesn't seem to have the capability of being dark and there is a scene where vincent cassell i thought this was had a lot of great uh extra meaning to it uh there's a part somewhere in there where vincent cassell is like uh, asks who i think is her baby or her husband uh her uh oh, benjamin milliped yeah i think that's her husband that's uh, like doing all the like uh oh dances with dances her? with yeah. her and everything there's a point where vincent C- cassell is like would you fuck her yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's like some extra like yeah like behind the scenes to that line <laughs> uh but he's saying he's saying like yeah you can dance the white swan great but this black swan just not for you you don't you don't look like you could pull that off ever and so the whole movie is her transformation like i i don't even know i don't even know if she's imagining this mila kunis character or or if she's real and she's projecting onto her or what it doesn't really matter she wants to be mila kunis for the black swan she Mm -hmm. wants to be her everything about it is is i want to be her to be that part it's her like learning how to be bad quote unquote throughout this entire movie yeah i i actually the first time i watched it i thought there was a possibility she had imagined the mila kunis character Mm -hmm. i don't i don't think i i think that now Mm -hmm. i think that she was there up until that fight in the uh in the dressing room Mm -hmm. where it turned out to be just herself Where, where do you stand on this um i guess i've always assumed that mila kunis character was real but mm. that natalie portman's interactions with her outside of the dance studio were all imagined i got you yeah like when they go out drinking and when they fool around i don't think any of that happened well the it's implied in the movie this is why it's so confusing it's implied that all the drinking and the and when she gives him the pill and says you're rolling now and all that that happened but then uh. her coming home with her didn't happen because mm. there's a point where she goes you left and she oh, goes oh you're right yeah and she goes i did and he's like yeah yeah of course i did and go and he goes but we but you were you didn't say anything when you got up and he's like he's like i wasn't with you i was like uh unless you had a dick i wasn't with oh. <laughs> something like that so she went home with one of those dudes hmm. that they were talking to um and 
so I, I agree. I think she is real. It's just that I think she's projecting a lot onto her. She thinks that she's after her part because that's exactly the way she would be if she was in that, in that, uh, uh, same situation. Um, well, and in ballet, everybody's always after their part. Like yeah. it's cutthroat. There's a point where she goes and tells Vincent Cassell because she's made, he's made Mila Kunis the, uh, the alternate. He's like, you can't be her. It can't be her. She's after my part. And he goes, every, every ballet dancer in the world is after your part. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's even that Winona Ryder scene where she bitches out Natalie Portman and you can see that this has already played out before previously. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, you, you get your shot and then somebody takes it from you. And but what I love about the movie is she does finally succeed at going dark, mm-hmm. but yeah. it costs her everything. Yeah, it does. Yeah. She's, uh, and, and I don't know if it's because, is, did did she really tap into being being evil or has she just got a uh does she just have a mental break she does i i, I think she clearly has a a psychotic break mm-hmm. um she's she's exhibited all the stuff uh that uh, that is a precursor to schizophrenia or psychosis mm. um all the way up into this and and stress drugs uh, all that stuff can lead to the actual psychotic break. I think about all those different times in this movie where there's so many things you can, you can, there's so many things that you can uh, read into what Aronofsky is doing with this, like the scratches on her back, the, the toenails, the fingernails, all the, the sort of the self emulation, emulation type, type things that are happening in this. Uh, every time she tries to masturbate, mm. she has something that, prevents her from doing it like she just starts she's she's in her bed and like after vincent cassell's like go home and masturbate tonight <laughs> and I, i'm saying this like it's not this is i mean i i didn't think of it in in any kind of like weird sexual terms i just thought this is something she probably needs to do to be healthy that's you true know? uh she has she doesn't there's a point where where cassell was like are have you have you had have you made love before and she goes she doesn't answer at first and then she goes, yes, but we don't know if she's telling the truth or not. Mm-hmm. You get the sense that even if she had, she didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just one of these. She just, she's never been part of, she's never really excited her at all. She goes home and like actually tries to masturbate. And what does she do? She looks over and thinks she at least thinks she sees her mom yeah. over there yeah. sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so she stops. And then there's a point where she's in the tub and she's about to do it. And then she thinks she sees her twin or evil twin show up above the water and yeah. everything so like there are a lot of psychological hang-ups in this for her um and uh and it's only uh it's only really after she thinks she's had sex with mila kunis that she's gotten into that mm-hmm. gotten into that other that other uh evil part of herself or whatever. Oh, is that representative of the fact that maybe she finally had a breakthrough and was able to masturbate that night and then she was envisioning that coupling as part of her get off i think so i think you can read that right sure yes i mean i mean the movie talks about sexuality enough i don't think we should feel ashamed talking about the movie's sexuality but i always i always just saw that as i just saw it as a simpler moment but maybe that is trying to communicate she had a breakthrough she can feel sexual mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> she may have envisioned this and in real life i don't know that's yeah. fascinating i, I mm-hmm. it's only after that where she really become where it feels like she has turned that corner it, it, every every time up to that point she just she's interrupted or she's there's something that's going on that prevents her from doing that huh. it's that scene right there right after that that's when the the night of the show happens it mm-hmm. takes until the night of the show 
for this for her to finally get to that point where she thinks she's murdered her and <laughs> yep, yeah and uh and uh yeah um that the both of these movies uh like broke me down at the very end yeah, the that one just that one pulled out all the emotion when especially when she's on that mattress at the mm-hmm. end, and she go and she's she's not even concerned about her her like life there. Right, she's just glad that she did that one show that one time, and she was like, it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. and that's how the movie ends. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it broke me, man. It's giving yeah. me goose flesh right now thinking mm-hmm. of it. It's it's an amazing, it's it's an amazing world, just like the wrestler where he he builds on that universe. Uh, that you don't see typically. Uh, there's a lot of shots of the backstage area, and there's a lot of the the interactions, the practices, and the rehearsals that have to get to to this point. And it really encapsulates that world that we wouldn't be a privy to. Right? Well, yeah. he's so good at showing you how obsessed people destroy their bodies in pursuit of this. Like that's what I think a lot of the toenails and like you see exactly how fucked up her feet are but ballet does that to your feet if you want to be a great ballerina you accept that if you want to be a great wrestler you're gonna you know it just just relishes almost in every ounce of ache and pain that that guy feels uh aronofsky's really really good at that he should have brought some of that to noah yeah he should (laughs) have he should have but he didn't the uh there's also a lot of psychology with the mom too because you get the sense there's a point there's one small scene in this where where barbara hershey says something to the effect of uh you know i had to end my career to have you basically something that i feel like the movie is saying she has said this a lot yeah and that is some real psychological damage that you're putting on your child that i was the reason why your why your uh career derailed but there's a point and it's only this one scene where it comes up where I think she's finally broken on this. And, and she goes, I, I had to end my career to have you. She goes, you were 28 mm. and basically saying by 28, you're done anyway. Mm. You, you have to be good before then. Yeah. Uh, uh, you should have been, you would have been on this track beforehand. And I'm, I guess also Barbara Hershey's character could have been the one before Winona Ryder. Yeah. For all I know, yeah. which adds even more like ickiness to the possibility of Vincent Cassell and Natalie Portman, mm. uh, having any kind of relationship at all. They don't ever, but like you sit there and think there's a possibility that's her, his daughter. Ooh, yeah you don't depending yeah. on how long he's been there yeah yeah but he i mean i think i think barbara hershey says something to the effect that he was there when she oh. was so there's not that saying not saying the movie is even saying that it is they do they they don't have sex in right. this movie but there is like some kissing scenes and stuff mm. like that and you're like like once barbara hershey talks about her career and everything i'm like we don't know about who the father is Mm-mm we know she ended her career at we know that he was um he's got a reputation mm-hmm. we know that all that he's an asshole vince oh cassell is such a dick face in this movie man <laughs> oh, oh my god he's, oh, he's eviler so in this though. movie than he is as an evil assassin in jason Bourne. i agree i agree <laughs> he's so um, good at it though. but that was something that popped into my head maybe it's because i'm the sick fuck but you know <laughs> <laughs> but but that's something that popped into my head during that during that uh, whole thing. But uh, Black Swan is excellent. It goes up against Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Christopher Nolan. I think we've got three entries for him on here. Did you get this in 4K? I don't. I don't have this in 4K. However, I did watch this on my 4K TV. Oh. 
with the Blu-ray and it looks outstanding. Now I'm wondering if I'm wondering what the 4K looks like after seeing after seeing this. Um, so so Dunkirk, we did a mini pod on Dunkirk a, a long time ago, mm-hmm. and and I was uh, you know did not know what the mall was, <laughs> and it, and and I was watching this movie. Uh, and part of that is because first off i had never heard of that term for beach before mm. but the mm. other part of it is i couldn't hear them say mole or have any context for mole when i watched this movie the sound is desi- the sound design on this i don't know if it was if that's considered good or what but man i cannot hear even with the subtitles it was hard to understand what, yeah. what they were saying in this thing um there's a point where kenneth Branagh says mole like 10 times <laughs> and, money, 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 and, money. yeah exactly <laughs> and i was like i don't remember him saying that obviously um but uh and, and I, I was thinking like like if you think if you think the mole is somebody that's embedded into the in, it plays well that way for oh, yeah. a while because it even gets to the point where they're on that uh they're in that submerged thing and the frenchman who doesn't want to talk oh, is yeah. on the ship and they they and they're and and uh and uh harry styles is like it's like he's a spy and i was like oh yeah well that makes total sense this whole this whole story about the mole has come <laughs> to this point <laughs> uh, i tell you what it bothers me about this movie the movie's cinematically gorgeous it's top to bottom excellent but there's so many like conveniences in this movie that i i think conveniences like the 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 whole son or or whoever it is interloper on mark rylance's boat getting killed by accidentally by killian murphy and the mark rylance just kind of like yada yada that he's like well it's cool we still have to take care of him and like the, well let me interject okay i do believe that when they pick first off rylance's character is very much i want to save everybody if i can hmm. we see that uh all the way onto the trip down down to dunkirk uh first by seeing killian murphy on this boat that has been overturned i guess a u-boat be, uh, like shot it or, or like u-boat came in and attacked or whatever and he's the only survivor uh gets him and then and as he's talking rylance realizes he's shell-shocked mm-hmm. uh and he's like he may not be the same way ever again he realizes that there's no he has no other choice to be the be the what he is and they also this is i mean this is also could be just 40s 40s thinking at the time 1940s thinking like you know uh because he did that even though he did that and he, and he didn't mean to do that mm. uh there's nothing we can do about it this guy the kid knew when he got on the boat that we were going to war that he could very well die and if something happens like that uh, there's nothing i can do i'm trying to save as many people as i can that's interesting yeah i, I just thought it was a little yada yada it is kind of <laughs> it, it, you would like to hear some thoughts yeah at least like oh poor kid yeah <laughs> right oh that's a shame <laughs> that's a real shame <laughs> the other part that really got me are they actually doing target practice when they're uh, uh hidden in that little hull of a boat where where all the the platoon are in there and they're hiding out basically, and all the gunshots co- start coming through the steel and all that stuff. You think that was other? You think that was friendly fire doing target practice? That's what they say, right? They say that it's it's a bunch of German people doing or troops doing target practice. Well, that wouldn't be friendly fire then. That would be. Well, it's it, it's it, just such a weird thing to happen. It's I mean, like, it's, it's like inserting but, danger where there doesn't. Have so, to be. are we saying that didn't happen? No, I I'm saying was it actually just target practice? 
practice. I don't know. And if it and if it was, that's just so weird. They finally find like a, a safe place to go, and all of a sudden there's b- bullets coming all over the place. That scene know? is harrowing, though. Oh, it's especially in the theater. God damn. Yeah, yeah, and uh, th- th- those bullet noises. You know, not not being able to see anything that they can't see outside. Oh, it's that scene was rough for me in, yeah. a, good, in a good way. I'm well, because because yeah, you're not expecting it, and then suddenly, yeah, yeah, you know, and it's really loud. Um, but also the it it takes you a while too to figure out the the sort of the timing structure of this. The whole thing on the beach is a week. The uh, the Mark Rylance thing is a day, and the Tom Hardy thing is an hour. Mm. So everything that is uh, longer is actually behind everything that we see. Like we'll see Tom Hardy go over some place, and and we're like, oh, okay, when he's going over this one place, and then we'll see that scene later in one of the other uh, time uh, periods. Uh, because it, like each one of these is behind basically quote unquote in the, in the story that we're being told. There's a point where when they, when they save Killian Murphy, we see him on the beach later mm-hmm. on one of the boats yeah. going out and he, he denies the two guys we've been following from the beginning. He denies them. Is there going to be more boats? There's not enough room on this boat. And then he goes out and you know, we know what happens to him, but that happens after like all yeah, the Killian yeah, Murphy yeah, stuff yeah. that we've seen so far and everything. So you have to kind of get along with that, that Christopher Nolan time concept mm-hmm. in this whole thing to, to really understand the movie and everything. But I do love that. I do love the way he plays with the moments to make them different because of that. There's a scene early on um, <clears throat> where you see Tom Hardy wave his co-pilot off or his co-pilot waves him off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you see it again later on, you're inside that plane and he's not waving. He's struggling to get the fucking oh, thing yeah, open yeah, so he doesn't yeah. drown. Uh, and it just completely changes that moment. Um, it's why I think Nolan is a wizard. Oddly enough, this is the one that moved me the least. Like, <clears throat> I don't want to go back and watch this very often. Me too. And I don't know why that is. But Inception, Interstellar, Prestige, I'll put those in any day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not entirely sure what it is. But this is, a, I still think it's a masterwork. Is it because we don't really get anybody in this movie that we're following as our as our hero essentially because the movie is all just it's all drive it just it it goes right in and then it's like this is the story we're telling it's like one of those classic christopher nolan montage scenes but it goes over an hour and 45 yeah, minutes yeah yeah um, there's no real plot no you know, other than you know everybody's trying to get out of here yep um it, it um, i i did i as i rewatched this i did wonder if we needed some darkest hour type stuff in here for see Churchill, like this is what we're going to do and all that. And it sort of kind of goes back and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the, I feel like Nolan made exactly the movie he wanted to make. I I don't think there's any, any part of me that thinks that, you know, he wanted to do that and show Churchill. He wanted, he wanted you to be uncertain as the soldiers are uncertain that there's going to be any help mm-hmm. at all. They're hearing just snippets of things like, Oh, we got to keep these 35. These we're only trying to get 35. Was it, they're trying to get 35,000 soldiers or they're keeping 35,000 soldiers so that they don't have to come out here and save 400,000 or something right. like that. Um, and, uh, and so they're, 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 they're just uncertain about what's going on. What's what's if they're ever going to get saved. That's why you have, uh, you have that one. That's a heartbreaking scene. The dude just walks out into the ocean. Yep. 
Uh, you have, uh, you have the, uh, the Killian Murphy character. Once he realizes they're going back to Dunkirk, he's like, I do not want to go back there. Yeah. He freaks out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, I, I kept wondering if this was told a different way where you had somebody to sort of be maybe Tom Hardy, maybe his character is the one that, and we keep kind of coming back to the beach and coming back to Mark Rylance, but having Hardy as the guy who like is our expositional window into the movie. Would we have, would this be a little bit more emotionally resonant? But I, I, I will say that scene at the very end where his propeller, like his gas is run out and the propellers out. Oh, and he's just gliding. I love that. He glides, scene. he glides for like an hour. Yeah. He, he glides the entire hour of his thing. <laughs> but it's still awesome. I think you could actually cut darkest hour into this film and it would work perfectly. Mm -hmm. You would, you would ultimately lose what made both films what they are, <laughs> but you would create something in the fusion that I think would be really watch almost like the Godfather saga. Yeah. Like you stick a few key scenes from darkest hour in the middle of Dunkirk and trim some of the Dunkirk fat. I think it could be a fascinating experiment, man. I tell you what. Yeah. If, if you, if you had a year's worth of time to have two movies just sitting there and you could cut it any way you want into this full on story, that would be, so, I'd be in a feat right there. Yeah. Well, let's just add that to the list of things I don't have time to do. <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, all right. What's going to win out of this, out of this group? I have no idea what you guys are picking. <laughs> so I'll go first. All right. I'll pick Black Swan. Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, it, you were choosing between two A pluses. I don't have to find something negative to say about Dunkirk just to vote for Black Swan. Mm -hmm. But Black Swan was inventive in more ways than Dunkirk was for me. I got you. And uh, made more of an impact on me, story-wise. But they're both awesome. You guys go. Yeah, I'm going to pick Black Swan. All right. Ah, I would have done that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, it's, it is that kind of distancing uh, emotionally from Dunkirk, which is weird because I tell you, I tell you what's emblematic of this is when uh, it's, it's the shot of Kenneth Branagh, and they're, they're like, what's that? And he goes, home mm -hmm. and yeah. it shows all the the things and that's a great moment and everything but it's also a little contrived oh yeah all right you know the, the guy's been fucking commanding people being shelled for like the last what week or so yeah. Yeah. and he's gonna do a corny ass shit like that yeah <laughs> that's when the fucking cavalry comes up yeah there is a there is a funny moment too where the the guy that is that oh he looks like benedict cumberbatch He's been in things with Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> uh, he's in, he's in, I know he's in that, uh, Broadchurch show. Um, are you talking about Fionn Whitehead? I think so. He's got the very stark blue eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he's, he comes up to Kenneth Branagh and he says, uh, he says, they're talking about the tides. And I think the tides are important because they're trying to, first off, they try to cover up that, uh, transport or whatever mm. that's with the they know that the that transport will be covered and can't be shot or bombed or seen or whatever and they're worried about when it comes back and they're just going to be beached there so he's like uh he, so that guy's like uh yeah i thought the tides came in every three hours and they go and it's like because he says brandon says we got to wait six hours and he goes like i thought they did it every three hours and he's like well it's a good thing that you're in the army and i'm in the navy <laughs> <laughs> and it's james darcy that you're thinking james about, darcy yes. all right everybody it's time to talk about better help yeah yeah baby i tell you what last time we talked about anxiety and uh we're living in anxious times my friend mm -hmm. especially i mean i mean 
all around the world for sure if yeah. you're talking about this this virus but also nashville specific with the tornadoes that came through here in middle tennessee everybody's mm-hmm. on edge yeah everybody's yeah. anxious everybody's stressed yeah and i just had uh, a root canal yesterday mm. and uh, my filling fell out last night nice so i was pissed off that probably doesn't feel too good oh my god oh my god everything is bad right now everything is <laughs> everything is making making people anxious uh there are people that need all sorts of help that can't get to it whether mm-hmm. they're um whether it's a, a, a proximity thing whether they're in a rural location uh they can't get to the right uh service they can't get to counseling maybe they can get to their pcp or something like that uh to prescribe medicine but not counseling and so better help is there to bridge that gap uh to do online uh counseling you get matched up to a licensed therapist uh you do everything online you fill out your your intake and all that stuff online you talk about payment and stuff like that all up front um and uh they match you with the therapist then everything is is in a counseling room like you can text you can video chat you can set up appointments you can do all that stuff from one location it's literally the easiest form of counseling that i've ever seen yeah, and if you can't leave your house, if you're 100 miles from the nearest therapist, if you've got, you know, any other stumbling block between you and therapy, um, you know, I would encourage you to at least try it out. They will work with you. Uh, you get a 10% discount if you go to our link. Right? Yes, if you go to betterhelp.com slash syncast, you get 10% off your first month. And when I was talking about the, the anxious times that we're living in right now, what I mean to say is that you don't have to be, quote, diagnosed with an anxiety disorder to receive benefit from counseling, uh, especially at BetterHelp. Uh, if you feel like this, you know, the, the world's events or your events or your community's events are, are getting a little bit overwhelming, there's a service that you can talk to. Yeah. You don't have to have a DSM-5 diagnosis or anything like that. You can actually just sign up for counseling, uh, which people do all the time. I would encourage you to do so, especially if you're feeling anxious uh, in, in the current day. Yeah, know? I mean, stress is a trigger for a lot of mental health issues, yep. whether it's anxiety, depression, eating disorders, even PTSD. And it's a stressful time for a lot of people right now. And mm-hmm. so, you know, whether you're diagnosed or just, you know, feeling that pressure of the stress, BetterHelp can help you wherever mm-hmm. you are in the world. Yeah. So betterhelp.com slash syncast, 10% off your first month. That is substantial. Uh, we very much encourage you, if you feel like you need it, even temporarily, very much encourage you to sign up through that link. Uh, better help. Go, go do it. <laughs> better help. Go, go, go. <laughs> yes. It's like in Dave when he's giving that speech and <laughs> Frank Langella's like, go, go, go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes, go, go, go. <laughs> uh, so Black Swan will move on to face Ex Machina. That's going to be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. By the way, the other matchup uh, that we've already decided is Get Out versus Scott Pilgrim versus the World. That's going to be another interesting Ooh. one. Oh. Okay, let's go to um, the number three seed Interstellar and the 14 seed Manchester by the Sea. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Are you all right discussing Manchester by the Sea? Yeah, I may just I may just spill it. Okay. Like, there's no harm, I don't think. I've been pretty open about everything. Sure. Okay. Uh, I didn't finish Manchester by the Sea. Um, I was watching it last night. Uh, I know I made a promise to myself and others to watch everything I hadn't seen before we got to this movie. Uh, <clears throat> but there is an instance where a character in this movie attempts to kill himself with the gun which is very triggering for me um, personally because I had someone I loved that did that. And ever since then, it's been very hard for me to watch suicides in movies in general, but specifically gun-related suicides. Mm. And so I've 
lost my shit last night and uh, <clears throat> had to get comforted by my wife. Felt like a jerk. Um, but I didn't I didn't get up in time this morning to finish it. And, uh, you know, I can see the, the quality there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it was going to win over Interstellar for me anyway. Um, both Casey Affleck movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clear that the acting is outstanding and the writing is great. I just have a personal issue that caused me to get triggered and I, I wasn't able to finish it. Uh, you got a fair amount into the movie, though. I, 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 I got that, about halfway through, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, there is some some nice resolution. Actually, not really resolution story-wise mm-hmm. <clears throat> to it later on. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you get the idea of it. Um, and, and, you know, as heavy as this movie is, there are some nice lighthearted moments Mm -hmm. in there where like, especially when Lucas Hedges is playing with the band and everybody's shitting on the drummer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking stay on beat, Toby or whatever it is. Lucas Hedges, man. That's a guy that this is movie introduced me to Lucas Hedges. Yeah. I don't think, I don't know if this was his, one of his first movies or what, but uh i had never seen i hadn't seen anybody act like this in a long time like like, like a young actor yeah. yeah 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 and then you know casey affleck is a, is a handyman or whatever and at the beginning he's plunging the toilet mm-hmm. and this girl's talking on the phone in the background she's like should i ask him out i mean he's he's plunging my shit right now <laughs> like, but he is kind of cute yeah yeah um uh i haven't seen manchester by the sea since it was in theaters either um but i just remember the the some of the emotional scenes i remember the casey affleck michelle williams scene is Mm -hmm. uh is a standout that's uh i wonder how long it took them to do that yeah that scene because he has blamed himself for the death of his children and uh and he has and i i don't i don't know if there's anybody I don't know if there's any, there's hardly anybody who in that same situation wouldn't feel like him yeah. during this entire thing, because that is that you, you there, it's so senseless the way it happens. Yeah. And, and while you weren't personally to blame, you feel like you should have done so, the, the necessary work that it didn't happen. Uh, but Michelle Williams, who's moved on and is about to marry somebody else and everything she has wanted to reach out to him for a really long time and, and wants to tell him that I don't think it's your fault and that, you know, that it's time to move on and everything. And, and that scene where they're, God, they're by themselves out in the middle of that. And she tells him like, you know, this was not your fault and blah, 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 man. Oh my God. That scene is one of my, one of my favorites mm. of the decade. She's, she has like remarried at this point. I think right? she has remarried. She, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, but you can see that there's still love there and mm-hmm. everything, and that he was the one probably that that ended that relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that he just, was just checked just, out, just through grief. Yeah, yeah. just he shut down. Yeah, and he's he's playing a pretty much a blank slate uh, until really the uh, the towards the end. There's a is it Lucas Hedges that goes crazy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucas Hedges because they're getting all this stuff after his his dad dies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're getting all this stuff and like frozen turkeys and stuff like that. And so he gets up in the middle of the night to go. Have you? Did you get to this part? I don't it was know. towards the end. Uh, he gets up to get ice or something like that, and he's trying to get the turkey back into the freezer and all that, oh, and he can't do it. And all of a sudden, all this stuff because he's been holding himself together pretty well. Mm-hmm. Lucas Hedges has. All of a sudden, all this comes out, and he just starts slamming shit into the freezer. And Casey Affleck's character comes down 
and really has to be fatherly for the first time before now he's just like fuck it man do whatever you want mm-hmm. to i'm not that guy mm-hmm. uh and then he finally gets that connection and that's that's a very nice nice scene i do remember there's a scene in a hospital that they cut back to back that's that was confusing for me at first because we have the father who's died and then there is also somebody else earlier on when they're flashing back where they've gone to the hospital mm. and everything. So there was like a back-to-back thing. And I was like, wait a minute. I thought they already went here. And do you know what I'm seeing? seeing you know what I'm talking what about? What I remember is they're in the present day and they're talking about him being dead. And that just cuts straight to a hospital room with doctors talking. And it pans over and the brother's alive. And mm. that's what, oh, is this a flashback? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a confusing edit. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't like dissolve or anything. It just goes straight into <laughs> yeah. it. And you're like, oh wait a minute and then you have to sort of reprogram and go oh okay it's a flashback i yeah. get it now i get it now kyle chandler's in this movie too yes he is oh see i was gonna say ron livingston <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i swear to god i was looking it up right now i was like wow it's another ron livingston no yeah um very very uh, emotionally a uh, wrought movie uh it's great uh, but it goes up against interstellar uh it, when this movie came out did did it have high regard or were people shitting on it i see i feel like i remember people not liking this i feel okay well, here's what i think i think the critics liked it but i think the general public thought the love thing was hokey yeah and and that got a lot of play online but and even me when i first came out of that movie same i was here. the same way same but here now i've seen it seven or eight times and everything in that movie is fucking perfect even the fact that it takes almost like an hour before they even go to space and and, yeah. and crazily enough that whole thing i mean you know uh ann hathaway has no idea why she wants to go to the planet with the guy that she loves on it that it turns out that's the right planet and the whole movie is set up on that theme you sure. can't measure it you can't figure you don't know exactly how you know you don't exactly know how to measure love but it is a real and tangible force and everything mm-hmm. i don't think they go they the, the i think when mcconaughey is going through the tesseract and is like is like uh talking to uh the robot and uh and it's like uh and he's like love man love you know and all that that part that part it is quantifiable a little hokey to me <laughs> the tesseract itself i'm like still like the future people could have done something better than this right yeah. they could have yeah. they could have they could have like told this message without the tesseract and having people go all the way to a fucking black hole yeah. to that's true yeah. they do make him work for it they, and then he's got to fucking do morse code yeah, on his like, fucking watch like, like look we've got the answers for your planet but we ain't making this shit easy <laughs> you're gonna have to meet us halfway <laughs> motherfuckers <laughs> we're gonna put this wormhole by saturn but do you're on your fucking own yeah <laughs> and you then yeah and then you just have to figure out how it works um uh but uh man this this is one of those movies i mean the way nolan does this it reminds me of of how i feel like during the prestige it's it, there's some sort of uh drug-like quality to the way he makes these movies the music is always there the music goes along with the editing and it's, it's like that there's a scene i think it, i think there's a sequence that's about 20 to 30 minutes in this movie where you have on the ground you have jessica chastain uh telling casey affleck that his son is is uh, very sick and mm-hmm. he's burning the cornfield yeah she goes yeah. and burns the cornfield uh she's actually gonna just she drives away in a huff because they have this big argument this real big blow-up argument and then she's she's just gonna go but then she's like driving uh uh down the road and she goes she just just pulls off 
burns the cornfield so that it'll distract them so that she can come back and go into her room and start figuring the problem out during this they're on that planet with matt damon yeah and there's the the whole matt damon thing and they're like well you know we're gonna have to do this and that matt damon's like this planet is is not the place where we need to be and and he's hatching his little his little plot where he wants to get off the planet with and leave them essentially. Yeah, he wants to convince them that they it is the place to be mm-hmm. that yeah. it's it's habitable. Right, and uh, and so uh, yeah, they're going off into some. He's walking with McConaughey to some place where apparently he found like water or something, something like that. Yeah, it's like a marker. It's a, a place to set up base camp or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so there's all that. And then of course, of course, all the, st- what do they call that robot? Is it, it's not SARS. Oh, it's TARS. TARS. <laughs> I know it was something ours. Uh, but, uh, the, uh, there, there's a point where like the one guy is working on TARS and everything and he realizes that this was sabotaged mm-hmm. and everything. And, and then when it blows up and then there's like, there's, it, it, blo- that blows up. Damon starts fighting McConaughey. Yep. It comes back down to the corn, the cornfield stuff. She's going through all the like, you know, the bookshelf thing and trying to figure out. It's just like, in, um, it's just like Inception where you've got the three different, you know, climaxes playing at different levels of yeah. time. Like he's a fucking genius, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody's no, him and Fincher are on a different level mm-hmm. and even, even though I didn't vote for Dunkirk, he just I'm geeked for any Nolan film because of shit like that. Because mm-hmm. he just he thinks through it before he ever even starts filming anything. It finally gets to the point where Damon is in that ship and he's flying towards the uh, the whatever the Endeavor uh, Endurance Endurance. Uh, you go into the Endurance and uh, he he's uh, trying to dock with that and everything. Of course, that ends uh, with him blowing up and everything. Uh, that. And and then finally, uh, Jessica Chastain learning what she needs to learn about this. And by the time that all like by the time that all happens, that felt like Mad Max Fury Road. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Because there, it, that's a point where you're, there's so much at stake going on all at once, and it lasts forever. Yeah. It's and and it doesn't feel like forever. It just feels like you, you'll you'll if you take note of what time it is when it starts. And then you take note of what time it is when it ends. You're like, holy shit, did really that much time go by? <laughs> that spinning scene where oh, they have Jesus. to spin their ship at the same rate as the, and what was it? Endurance. Endurance. Uh, in order to dock is just science fiction. No, yeah, it's awesome. To <laughs> <see>. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's the end. That's where you can take a breath is yeah. when they finally get it out of orbit and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But that, that, that Damon scene where he can't dock successfully. It's it's so perfect because he starts this grandiose speech to uh, Anne Hathaway, and he's like, you know, uh, this is for mankind and everything. There's a moment, and then he blows up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, oh shit! And then sudden Wes Bentley is in this. Mm-hmm. Sudden Wes Bentley. It's, sudden it's Topher the best Grace. Kind of Wes Bentley. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sudden Topher Grace. Yeah. Um, <gasps> sudden Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, By the way, yeah. I forgot about oh, that. Oh, yeah, Who that's plays right. Young kid. Casey Affleck. Yes. <laughs> uh, the, uh, but uh, you have, uh, there's a scene, to, I love, there is one scene with Tover Grace that I love in this, is like during that big sequence, uh, when Casey Affleck and everybody's coming back to the farm and there's really not much time left and everything, he doesn't know what to do. He goes into the truck and pulls out a tire iron. <laughs> 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 so great um 
yeah the 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 planet where you know like so many years go by for every minute that they're down there that scene wrecks me every time because they it's go- exhilarating but it's all like mental stuff i mean there's yeah. action with the with the wave or what have you but i get giddy for that like i would like the kitchen fight in the raid too <laughs> just because the mind bendingness of that whole math where mm-hmm. they come back and dude's been waiting for like 20 some years <laughs> well he gave up and went back into the sleeping chamber yeah oh, fuck wow. yeah man yeah oh it's just no no movie has ever tried to give us that kind of a thing yeah before he before they even go down there he's like every minute down there will be x amount of years or whatever and everybody there's a big pause yeah. and then he's like that's relativity folks yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like and and so they go down there and of course they're down there way longer than they ever intended and then come back up and this guy is like got gray hair now <laughs> and all that i just feel i just feel for that guy so much being alone for that long and knowing that for them it's just minutes yeah hey chris pratt couldn't be alone for more than a year on passengers <laughs> that's true, that's true. And this guy had 20 some years of being alone with a fucking smart ass robot yeah exactly uh i also like to point out i said this before but i think maybe every time we talk interstellar i want to point out that he actually planted all that corn so that it would be this authentic looking practical effect wow. and um, then sold it all off for a profit after they were done filming nice. <clears throat> yeah it's yeah, the only, it's the sounds only viable like, crop. Sounds, sounds like some Nolan to me. Um, <laughs> Wish they would have done that in Man of Steel or any of the movies <laughs> with, with that fucking cornfield. Uh, and yeah, you've got. Uh, I guess you got Michael Caine. Like, I guess the Michael Caine has uh, got a, a an equation that he. Th- I, I'm trying to remember if it if the equation is right, it just doesn't have the right elements to work on earth the equation as it's shown is is incorrect because it doesn't have one particular it doesn't have time factored in as the actual Mm. uh variable he solved it years ago and figured out that there was no plan and so he he's he under that guise he sent uh, matthew mcconaughey out to hopefully find another planet but it's not to um find one for everybody on earth to show to be on it's to basically be adam and eve with whoever is you know out there and just matthew mcconaughey and Anne hathaway my god that's make some pretty babies all those embryos with them too (laughs) oh i forgot about that oh the embryos (laughs) um uh, that would be a pretty that, baby. That, that, <laughs> I'm telling you what, if you had to repopulate the species, you start with those two guys. Well, if, honey, it's time if, to fuck. If, it's time if, to repopulate. If, if Chris Pratt from Passengers was on the ship, he'd have thrown away the embryos. And- <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, hey, why didn't they? They fucked all the time in Passengers. They uh, didn't have any babies. I don't know. Maybe they had. They fucked for ninety years. Or it, it however long have been it is. Irresponsible to have kids, though. I mean, he's he's an irresponsible dude. Clearly, I mean, she's she's not irresponsible. I think they have space condoms. You think he 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 wraps it up every time? Maybe you can just go into that magic doctor booth and say day Fuck after pills. We really we really don't know what the effects are of zero g fucking. Guys. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's um, true. They, they didn't have any kids, but they did somehow have roosters. Yes. It's like, how do you know that they didn't? They maybe had kids that died. They actually. <laughs> <laughs> lived a whole lifetime. <laughs> um, all right, so where, where are you going to go? Interstellar. Interstellar. Yeah, Interstellar. 
will go on. You're right. Interstellar gets better every time that you watch every it. Every time. Every time. And that's a fucking rare ass movie. And I have that. watched this in the 4K and it's fucking oh, phenomenal. God, I can only imagine. Interstellar will go up against the winner of what I think is the hardest uh, matchup uh, in this bracket. Uh, the six seed Zero Dark Thirty and the 11 seed Black Klansman. Mm. Jesus Christ, mm. you still have three left. Sorry. Mm. Yeah, we, yeah, we this went, is a meaty episode. We went pretty <laughs> deep on some of these, but um So you said Black Klansman and, and Zero Dark Thirty. Wow, they're so similar. <laughs> I make that joke a lot. Yeah. Um yeah. I I had to rewatch these two uh because of how how hard this uh this brat this this matchup is. So you have again you have two movies that are completely uh dissimilar um and i know that back in i think it was 2012 when zero dark 30 came out uh i wanted that to win best picture i thought that was the best black klansman uh i can't remember what i picked in that year that might have been the um that was uh, 2018 right? yeah that might have been the uh year that i picked uh, beale street could talk mm, i think it was um but uh uh zero dark 30 uh, this was Catherine Bigelow's uh, follow-up to The Hurt Locker. She had she'd won uh, Best Director. She was the first female to win Best Director. Uh, Best Picture, uh, uh, 2009. She follows it up with this one. and It's a movie that I think is better than The Hurt Locker. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, it is the the story of how, uh, how we got Bin Laden. Um, and it came out a year after it happened. Yeah, it was uh, really quick. Yeah. Uh, they started off making she started making a movie about the hunt for bin laden and then they caught bin laden during wow that so they had she Rewrites. had she had to redo <laughs> a lot of things on the movie to 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 uh, well it worked out better for the movie that way then it did it because did. her obsession doesn't have any payoff if they don't catch him by the end of the movie. No, yeah, you've got some serious blue balls after that. <laughs> well, and the, I guess the I guess the yeah, I guess the question is would her character be played this way? I mean, it, I guess it, I, I don't know what the movie was before this, like how it was supposed to go and how it was supposed to end and all that. Jessica Chastain is a force of nature in this movie. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Yes, this is obsession on a different level. Uh you get the sense that she's never sleeping in this movie. Yeah. Like like obviously she has to at some point but like there's probably times where she's up for 60 hours straight or yep. something like that uh during this because and there's a point so the movie starts off with the stuff that is covered in last year's the report basically the uh the torturing mm -hmm. uh the stuff that we all know isn't isn't going to work now i remember watching this movie thinking it didn't really um it didn't really say that torture was the answer, but in, in some way it kind of is. Well, they um, get they get that first name out of that guy. Jason Clark is basically torturing, mm -hmm. and that is the first lead that they start chasing down. So they they well, the thing is, is they torture the guy endlessly. They even put him in that box and all this. It's, it's terrible. All the stuff is terrible. Um, and then they give him some food and stuff, and that's when he talks. But I think twice in this movie we hear uh, them say, or, or one of the captives say, I'll tell you because I just don't want to do this. I don't want to be tortured anymore. There's one guy who comes straight out and says that. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm, I don't want to go through all that again. So here, I'll tell you everything I know. So in a way, I, I, I had long thought this movie just thought, I, I thought this movie was saying, 
if they were nice to them, they got their answers, but it really was a threat of that threat of being tortured. And that's another whole can of worms. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Um, it, this is like a detective story though. The, the, they, she gets one name and she gets verification from all this guy's brothers that it's the same. It's this guy. This is the guy. This is the courier for bin Laden. He's gone from, uh, this one head honcho to bin Laden several times. They know that's the guy, but that, so they've been looking for this one guy for the longest time. And like, they, they're trying to pinpoint his location. They're just not do They're just not able to find any phone records or anything of this guy's name or anything. He's just a ghost. But then finally someone says something and calls him a different name. Mm. And he says, what if we've been looking for that guy this whole time? Mm. And the guy that we've shown to everybody else looks like this other guy who has a similar name. And that's sort of how they get to that. Yeah. Uh, I, that kind of detective work, the things that you have to think about, that's what they're not telling you a lot of times is what's important. Uh, the, the way that they study this compound. And oh, how- man, I was just going to say, the way she breaks down the satellite imagery in that scene where she's talking about the, the adult male only ever comes out at this time and is always invisible behind this thing, that's tradecraft. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, even if it's not Bin Laden, there's a spy living here. It's like the uh, it's like in The Prestige where they're talking about how the magicians, uh, yes. even after, after the show is over, they're still acting this role. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they, uh, she, she is certain that this courier is this, uh, the, the way they find that guy too is crazy. Um, there's a scene with, uh, Kyle Chandler in the middle of this. You mean where, Ron Livingston? <laughs> yeah, I mean Ron Livingston. Uh, no, there's a scene in there with Kyle Chandler where, uh, he's, he doesn't want to give her any resources because, after all, this is just some some dude. We don't know if we don't know if that guy is actually courier to Bin Laden. We don't even know if it's the right guy. We don't know any of that. And uh, and she says something like, "You don't know Pakistan. You don't know this situation at all. Uh, I need four guys in this in this place, and I need four guys in this place so that we can triangulate this guy's phone calls and everything." And uh, and so. He, he relents because I think she's shown to be a, a force of nature where she, you know, you just go along with what she says or else you're going to get in a lot of trouble. Uh, these four guys get around, get in a car and go around this marketplace yeah. and find this guy he knows that he's on the phone and they're like, they, it goes, the, fa- the signal fades in and out and in and out. And the guy, the one guy's like, he's going around in circles. And so he's, there's a point where they're like, all right, let's, let's slow down and let this guy catch up or let somebody, somebody on a phone catch up. And, um, he gets to the, the, there's a point where there's a guy in the car on a phone and they're like, I think that's the guy. And they take pictures of him. And like, now they have a a visual of this guy. And then they see him the next time they see him, they got some spies going around. Uh, they, they know a bot is a, is a, a, a place of interest and everything. Uh, they have some spies around and they see the one guy going to this compound and, uh, that's how they get to it. So there's a point where they, she has to convince everybody that this is, this is definitely bin Laden's compound. And, uh, and there's a, and, and Gandalf, they say, here's the, here's the, uh, here's the compound. This is where we think he is. Um, James Gandolfini plays some sort of like secretary of defense or something like that. 
And uh, he asks all these dudes in the room, what do they think? What do they think? What do they think? And then she pipes up and he goes, well, who are you? And she goes, I'm the motherfucker who found this place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 and they even go around the room and ask for percentages of certainty. Yeah, and that's she later. she has a great line where she says something like 99 because I know absolute certainty scares you people or something like that. <laughs> Everybody, including Jason Clark, who is trying to uh, play the game, the politics game and everything. Everybody's saying 60%. And Jason Clark's like 60%. I think it's a soft 60 and you can see the look that Jessica Chastain gives it was like, I work with you, motherfucker. You know how hard it is. You know how hard it is to get the resources we need. The fuck are you doing? Yeah. Uh, all in one look. And then finally she goes a hundred percent, hundred percent. She's he, he, that's been Laden there and he goes, okay, 95, because I know that. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so Gandolfini talks to her and then, yeah, uh, there's a scene where, She's uh waiting around with the the seals with Chris Pratt and Joel Edgerton and all them, and uh and Mark Strong calls her and says, "I want you to be the first to know they're going to do this shit tonight." Oh. And, <laughs> and, and uh, you see all these you see all these Navy seals they don't even know they're yeah they're like playing do- horseshoes and shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, love that stuff also love the fact that Mark Strong and Jeremy Strong are in this movie and there's a scene where Mark Strong is right next to Jeremy Strong I don't think they're even related but I just <laughs> I just thought that was fun there it is go. very it's very interesting yeah it's so interesting <laughs> um. But this movie just, it, yeah, once it, and especially once it gets to the, to the raid and everything, that, oh, it gets that's so money quiet. Shot. God, I love it. Yeah. Um, Osama. Osama. <laughs> yeah. That, there's a point where when they do that, they say, Osama, Osama. And the guy, and you, the door opens and just barely somebody peeks in and boom, boom, they just <laughs> get him. And then like, after everything is settled down and everything, one of the guys is like, do you know who you just killed? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it was just to the, to this guy it's just a routine thing. He yeah. even says I was, I killed the guy on the third floor. I killed the guy on the third floor. He doesn't mm. even refer to him by name. Mm. Um yeah, this movie is so so good. When in reality, I believe somebody from the real team like claimed to have been the shooter and tried to sell a book and yeah. then there was controversy yep. about it. There was it. controversy yeah. as to who who did it. I don't think the military wants you to know who did it no for well you know obviously for terrorism retaliation reasons mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah well even in this movie they bring that up because she's wearing a a hood or a, a like a something over her face during all the torture stuff and then somewhere in there she decides i'm not going to wear this anymore and her face is known because they don't think the situation is going to change this is during the bush administration right when Obama comes in and all the the talk about torture is starting to come out, uh, of course, all these guys have lawyers now and and things like that. And now everybody's saying this is the girl. This is the this is the girl that is uh, going around looking for us, and uh, she, it threatens her life mm-hmm. at, at that point. Um, so it goes up against Black Klansman, uh, mm-hmm. and this is Spike Lee at his best since. Uh, is it would you say inside man was his last great movie before this yes yes but i think this is even better than that i think this is as good as uh do the right thing Ooh. i don't know if it's as good as do the right thing but it's it's, it's up awesome there. it's awesome mm-hmm. i've seen it three times um <clears throat> and uh it's it's not fun to watch at least the infiltrating the nazis scenes where 
it's entire groups of men just saying racial epithets sure. back and forth over and over and over again. That kind of makes me uncomfortable. I get it. It's mm-hmm. probably supposed to make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but Adam Driver almost steals this whole movie from me. Fuck oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he's the one that is sort of on that front line there uh, uh, by necessity. John uh, John David Washington is the guy who's on the phone yeah. um, uh, all the time. Uh, it is kind of interesting that they didn't they didn't really notice differences in voice and everything. They blamed it on the phone being mm-hmm. different and everything. But it's a distinct difference. Well, he's only talking to Duke, though, right? He's not talking to the uh, the other he ta- guy. He talks to the other guys at in first. The, in the beginning, he does, yeah. That's how he gets Driver the Oh, invite. that's right. But he accidentally right. yeah, yeah, yeah. uses yeah, yeah. his yeah, real yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he uses the Ron Stallworth name, and uh, and they, they he, all of them hear him do this on the phone. There, uh, and he goes he goes through some serious, like ridiculous racial epithets yep, on the phone. Yep. And, and <laughs> Adam Driver has that look where he's like just slowly looking over to. <laughs> it's like the slowest head turn ever. <laughs> and but then after the phone calls over, he's like, "Did you just use your real name with that?" <laughs> yeah, and then they cock they they concoct this plan to uh to have driver be him uh and infiltrate this uh this kkk outfit they call themselves the organization yeah this outfit in colorado springs is looking for a uh a, like a i guess a terror group of some sort they're trying to infiltrate a terror group mm. they first start off with the black panthers uh and then it moves on to the kkk and they're looking for somebody who's about to do something in the name of of some sort of racial segregation or something um and uh and so like the whole thing is adam driver trying to figure out if there's an attack but it seems like everybody's just full of talk they just they you know they just always say they want to do things but they're not really mm-hmm. serious about it there's only like one guy really in that group that does want to do something and he makes his wife do it yes yeah, he yeah, does yeah. <laughs> um yeah. and uh and so so yeah like there's there's a you see a bunch of people who are cowards mm-hmm. um in these groups and even like when he's in like that it's it's funny how it i, I don't know if it depends on what race you are but when you go into the black panther part i always thought like everything that i heard in that meeting was empowering and any sort of talk about war or anything like that was be prepared for it, not we're going out to do it. Yeah. Whereas the clan one always felt like we're going to war. We mm-hmm. have it. There's a difference in that. But of course, the rhetoric in the Black Panther meeting and everything can be twisted to think to because you have to watch out how you communicate yep. a lot of times. And that's the problem is that people misinterpret things people who aren't aren't the intended audience misinterpret those type of things and that's that's an interesting dynamic that he has to deal with in this whole thing i do love in this movie when they're trying to burn a cross and have a rally and they just keep sending the cop car down the street <laughs> yeah. to scare them off yeah. over and over again <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm telling you man there's some just casually funny stuff in here yeah. even though it's dealing with you know disturbing subject yeah. matter uh the, it, it it does have some fun at the expense especially at the expense of Topher Grace's or the David Duke character yeah. um showing how buffoonish he is and then you know it starts getting more and more serious and more and more serious uh and you've got the juxtaposition of the Harry Belafonte presentation basically or speech 
during the the Klansman uh, watching Birth of a Nation. Uh, it's just it's so expertly done. I I don't know what Spike Lee has been doing for the last besides Inside Man for the last like twenty years, but I didn't think he had this in him uh, anymore. He's I been uh, anymore, beefing anymore. with the Nick security basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, he doesn't want to go watch him anymore, right? <laughs> man, uh, Spike Lee movies can be uh, like a drug a lot of times too. Uh, the when he gets into these, especially the Harry Belafonte thing, and that's going back and forth between him talking about this one guy he knew who got uh who got beaten and killed and in front of a whole bunch of people uh and the the kkk stuff where they're like watching birth of a nation and 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 uh you know or rooting on the clansmen that are in that movie and everything and it just keeps going back and forth spike lee uses this one composer terrence blanchard a lot mm. uh and his music is always bold and dramatic and everything is 25th hour is one that i remember especially i think he may have done he got game as well um when spike lee is on one of those those kind of roles and everything and the music is doing that thing it gets you just sucked up mm-hmm. right in and it's hard not to get choked up at that charlottesville shit at the absolutely end. uh i uh i watching it again knowing it was coming because they have that the way they set he sets that up is great it's washington and laura harrier in that in that uh apartment and uh and they hear a knock on the door and they both get their guns out because mm-hmm. they don't know who it could be but we don't get to see what the aftermath of that is it goes immediately into the sequence where there there's that that awesome camera shot down yeah. the hallway where there there is stationary but everything else is moving behind mm-hmm. them and uh and then it goes right into that charlottesville stuff and it's just like here's why i made this movie every time you think some stupid group like the kkk is down and they're not doing anything anymore or whatever here's something else that comes out of mm-hmm. uh, that you all they need is a little bit of a a spark and that's what happens yep uh, so the movie does it it does convey that message there's a lot of like you know america first and there's the guy who talks to john david washington and and breaks it down for him and says you know they're gonna get they're gonna try to get somebody in the white house and normalize this and whatever <laughs> this you you get that point i don't know if it i don't know without that charlottesville thing which was a lot of it was a lot of criticism about that uh does that belong in the movie i don't I, I don't know. I've, to me, I feel like it should be there. It, it worked needs, for me. It needs to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or else you don't get the point of what they're saying in this. Uh, maybe you do. It's a it. Fun, it, It's an interesting classic story without it. But I think I think it works for me. Yeah. It was a, he made a lot of bold decisions in this. Some vintage Spike Lee decisions. Mm-hmm. Like during that Black Panther, I don't. The, during the first speech of the Black Leader, I think he was a Panther. Uh, where he first meets Laura Harrier. Yeah. They they cut to those little shots of the individual groups of people in the audience. That's, that stuff is just right at me, man. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. I yeah, love it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So between these two movies, what are we going to pick? I'm going to pick Black Klansman. What was my other choice? <laughs> Zero <laughs> Dark Thirty. <laughs> I choose Zero Dark Thirty. <sighs> I hate this choice yeah. so much. This is this is not fair. This is <laughs> Both not, based on true stories, they are. Um, I I I don't want to see Black Klansman go, but I'm going to pick Zero Dark Thirty. Here. Uh, all right, yeah, those were two uh, heavy heavy movies against each other. It will be Zero Dark Thirty against Interstellar now. Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, 
Um, Some Chastain on Chastain right there. It is. Um, <laughs> was what and, we, and it was Topher on... Uh, hold on. Yeah, it would have been Topher on Topher if, uh, if oh, Black yeah. Klansman were. That's right. Uh, our final two matchups, uh, we have uh, the five-seed Inside Out and the 12-seed Paddington 2. Finally, uh, something that actually makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, I saw Paddington 2 about a week or so ago for the first time. Oh. I, I agree with you. This is a Wes Anderson movie. Oh, yeah. Really Who is, said right? that? Was it him yeah, who said yeah, that? Yeah. That's a good call. <laughs> it's very Wes Anderson-y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have not seen the first Paddington. I'm assuming I don't need to see the first no. one. No, you uh, don't. It's it's delightful. It's good, but the second one is like next level. Dude. Yes, it is. Um, I do like I do like stories like this where you have... Uh, I, I'm always a sucker for uh, basically what's amounts to a treasure hunt you know yeah. mm-hmm. that's, why, that's why i'll i'll give da vinci code it's you know i'll give that a run all that but uh, uh hugh grant is playing this it, it's a it's a fun evil oh, oh yeah. yeah it's a really fun evil we don't see hugh grant like this very often and uh phoenix buchanan yeah <laughs> yes who's uh who's an actor who's who's uh dresses up as all these different uh uh, people to infiltrate these like r- landmarks around london and everything that are going to spell out something that he can type into a piano later and get a whole bunch of gold and jewelry and shit. <laughs> um but uh the uh, uh i i like uh ben wishaw's uh voice uh, mm-hmm. uh voicing of paddington yeah. in this. i think he's really good in this um i thought sally hawkins was really good in this yes uh, I love there's this. some scenes in here that um there's some scenes in here where I'm like, she went to a next level in this movie where she could have easily phoned it in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, Especially a sequel like this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and so there are moments in there. See, she's really funny and really just, there's some moments that she just lands in this, and I really love it. So. Mm-hmm. Brendan Gleeson is it for me, man. <laughs> yeah. Knuckles? Uh, yeah. He's having so much fun, dude. And that's that all that stuff in the prison where they're talking to each other through the pipes is all that Wes Anderson stuff yeah. that Wes Anderson stuff but i love the fucking candy apple like feet the stilts <laughs> at the very end <laughs> this movie just makes me fucking grin yep. dude and uh i've shown it to three or four people all of whom i told them you just skip the first one and watch this one uh, my wife is one of those it's just i'm trying to spread the love for that bastard the, the colors in this movie are spectacular yeah. i mean it's just everything is stark green or stark purple or something and of course the uniforms or the 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 prison outfits are all pink yeah and all that uh yeah it it really i think without the level of hugh grant's performance that the movie would just be charming but he's i am really really excited for this phase of the hugh grant career i haven't seen the gentleman yet but oh, he's fan fucking fantastic and, and he's he's so eating chewing scenery in this movie mm-hmm. uh i think he could go next level acting wise in this stage of his career he's not no longer a sex symbol necessarily mm-hmm. uh it's so, yeah. weird that he ever was though i gotta be honest talking about i would fuck him back in you the 90s fuck yeah uh he's always had a little bit of a dweeby look I mean, he was a he was a sex symbol. I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm just saying he never struck me as particularly handsome. It was more charm. Yeah. You, should, you should watch uh, Love Actually. He's he's handsome in Love. No, Actually. I vowed never to watch that movie. Mm-hmm. Give That's me true. another That's Mickey true. Blue Eyes. Yeah, <laughs> nine months. Nine months. <laughs> Nine months was the movie that came out the summer of uh, his blowjob. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the summer of his blowjob. The summer of blowjob. It's the summer of blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it goes up against Inside Out, uh, one of the better Pixar movies that have come out in the last 10 years. Or ever. Hmm. Yeah. I think you might like it more than me. I love it, but I, Dicer loves this movie. Mm-hmm. It's right up there with Finding Nemo for him, and he's the biggest Pixar buff I know. And this movie connected to me more than some Pixar movies because of the whole moving when you're 13 and you have to leave all your friends behind and start a new life. But I still think it's an A minus. Like I don't, hmm. I don't see the same magic here that I do in Wall-E or the first Toy Story movie or the Good Dinosaur. Joking, yeah, <laughs> or Ratatouille. Um, and uh. I might be missing something. I've only seen it the three times. It does have the biggest laugh Pixar ever gave me when that, at the very end, when the boy brain freaks oh, out and says, girl, 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 girl. girl. Uh, I, uh, as, uh, you know, you get your own personal experience, but as a dad, the whole like, preparing to put his foot down, putting your foot down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he put his foot down. They're like, high five. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the idea of uh, having little quote-unquote people in our heads that are controlling our emotions and everything uh we saw that in herman's head back in the day oh yeah see that's you're joking but that's that is one knock i have against the film is that it's not really even remotely original in the idea Mm -hmm. now granted once they get inside the brain and they go to the fun park land and fall down into wherever valley and meet the elephant of happiness (laughs) <laughs> it definitely veers away from Herman's head. Yeah. But uh, that stuff is also so fucking silly. It takes me out of the, the parts that I was grounded to. I, it sounds like I'm ripping on this movie. I don't mean that. Well, I don't think it's been. It actually was done in uh, Calvin and Hobbes. I used to read a lot of Calvin and Hobbes. And there have been several strips where it's the inside of Calvin's brain. And like if he trips and falls over, it shows all the people like recalculate balance oh, and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't think I've never seen it done with pure emotions. And, I, you know, I don't think you can. You show that, you know, joy eventually has to have some pathos to 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 evolve. And then depression has or sadness has to evolve a little bit uh, to, to, to function in an adolescent brain. But uh, this is the first time I've seen emotions done like that. Mm. Mm. And uh, I mm. love it, man. I love the performances. I think. Uh, uh, Phyllis from The Office is great. Uh, Parks and Rec from Leslie Nope. See, now you're selling, you're selling <laughs> Amy me Poehler. <laughs> Amy Poehler. Uh, and I think uh, Lewis Black is is great. That's it's kind of played out, but uh, he's great as Rage. And Bill Hader is anarchy. What is he? He's uh, fear. He's fear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's fear. Okay. Um, I think you're good. It's good. It's good. I feel bad now. And yeah, and it has uh, has you one of, it has one of the better emotional moments too, where they where the parents try to talk to the girl and she's oh she breaks down. Yeah, it's so it, that's so good. It is what pays off a lot of the stuff that's going on in her head and everything. Um, so it has one of the most memorable Pixar emotional moments in it. Um, but uh, all right, what are we gonna pick? I'm gonna pick onward. <laughs> onward well that's getting good reviews isn't it i don't know i'm i'm i'm, I'm waiting to see on that movie yeah mm. i you can wait for video I, I i liked it i i liked that movie but yeah there's something missing okay. Some, something missing from mm. jonathan jonathan didn't like it as much as i did Ooh. i mean jonathan hate i like put it a, gave it a c I nice it a c. i gotta mm. talk to jonathan <laughs> uh i'm bold paddington too oh yeah paddington because paddington 2 is a better paddington movie than inside out is a pixar movie Hmm. I don't know what that means. No, that, I just that think works. Paddington Two. Out. 
has an excess of magic. Um, and uh, it just, it's like literally charm on film. Uh, I vote Paddington too. You're right. Uh, there's a chance that I have some recency bias here, but I'm going to go with Paddington too. Oh, wow. We keep, wow. We keep taking all your options away from you. That's all right. Were you gonna I would have gone inside out for sure. I forgot I got sure. that vibe. Uh, I got that vibe. Paddington too is... It was funny because I think you were questioning whether it even deserved to be on the bracket when we were first yeah, doing this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, because it really, I mean, besides us and a few other people that I've seen, it hasn't gotten like super praise or anything like that. I saw on, on, a, on a few of those best of the decade lists. But uh, yeah, I think it, it certainly is one of the most rewatchable Wes Anderson movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could watch this more than I could watch Inside Out. I oh, I got you. Yeah. And, I, and the I first love... time I watched Inside Out, I was like, I like this, but there's something about it. I can't put my finger on it. That's not letting me all the way into this Interesting. movie. I thought I thought it was the most complete Pixar movie I've ever seen. Mm, okay. Well, it's Paddington 2 in an upset. Moving Ooh. on uh, to our final matchup. Uh, Paddington, Paddington 2 will go up against the either the 4th Street, the Wolf of Wall Street, uh, or the 13th uh, seed, Bad Times at the El Royale. I think I may have said 4th Street there. There's so many. <laughs> the 4th seed, the Wolf of Wall Street, and the 13th seed, Bad Times at the El Royale. Um, wordiest matchup. Wordiest titles. Yes. Wordiest. Wordiest. Um, <laughs> this is the best Scorsese movie of the decade for sure and it, it, it's it's the only one in our bracket i believe mm-hmm. um uh and we have uh, kyle chandler again yes we movie. do yes we do kyle chandler playing uh an fbi guy um this the wolf of wall street takes a guy who is absolute an absolute scumbag and somehow makes it entertaining and it sometimes makes you feel dirty yes yes often Mm-hmm. <laughs> you watch it and you're just like i hate this dude is a fucking asshole what why do i like what he's why why is all these shenanigans fun for me you know why i think because I've, I've watched this a bunch i think they set him up even though as the omniscient narrator he kind of you know shows his hand that he's an asshole but they show him as kind of a family man and like just uh uh, a, a yellow belly at the the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. where he's just like he goes up to his first day at wall street mcconaughey takes him out and he's like you jerk off he's like yeah i jerk off <laughs> and so he's just completely mesmerized by this whole world but he is green and he is like wide-eyed and he seems to be a, a, a good guy i think he's married at that point uh to somebody else and i think that helps excuse some of the excesses later on for well, some I, reason i also think it's by design because he he is he's like this great salesman he mm-hmm. sell me this pen right like he can sell anybody on anything and half the movie feels like him you know riling up the troops up there on the stage in the office and i think that he that performance is doing that to you in the audience as well and he's selling you the pen of this character who's actually an asshole yeah. but making you kind of like it but yeah he's it, the narration is from his perspective and even though he admits that he does wrong things you think it's coming from you know he he kind of justifies it like, yeah i know i did this but you know deep down i'm all right you know? <laughs> uh leonardo dicaprio has probably never been this funny in a movie uh, no neither has scorsese yeah i would agree with 
both of those statements. Yeah, uh, it's almost a comedy. Yeah, it is. I, I'd almost, I'd almost say it is just because of the situations that are in it. Yeah. Like if you put Will Ferrell in this, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> I want to see that movie. Oh, I do too. That would rule so hard. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> Will, hey, man, Will Ferrell fucking Margot Robbie. <laughs> well, they recast her with Sherry O'Terry. Oh, that's true. It'd be Sherry O'Terry. You're right. Or Amy Poehler. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, there's there's scenes there where DiCaprio is funny and he's not even like saying anything. Like, I, there's a scene in this that is darkly funny to me every time I watch it uh he's it's when they're on the boat and they need to get rescued and they call a a rescue team out or whatever and then some other ship comes by and saves them Mm -hmm. and they get on that ship and then the whatever was going to come and save them crashes in the ocean (laughs) and he's like looking out the window and he's like did you see that that was the that was the plane that came to come save us <laughs> he's not he doesn't feel bad he doesn't he's just he's just like struck with awe like like that we would have we would have completely like missed out on being saved if that had, if that had happened um this has some of the most memorable shit of the decade i think like mm-hmm. the scenes when they're talking about the little people which is terrible but yeah. it's funny yeah uh the the stuff with him and rob reiner of course the stage stuff where he brings like Steve Madden out, and you know he's like, hey, "My telephone assassins," mm-hmm. and he gets back on stage, and he's like, "I want to suck you off right now, Steve. Yeah. I want to suck you <laughs> off." Yeah. And Steve Madden's just like, "Ha ha ha!" There is there is something liberating to the brashness of of all this stuff. Like this is just there's so many things in here where they're just they just say whatever they want to say, they do whatever they want to do, and there's a you know there's a you know a freedom but without responsibility in, uh, to that whole thing and it's there's something about it there's there's lines in there jonah hill like everybody looking at margot robbie for the first time and you know like like oh my god I, i'd uh, i'd fuck her without a condom and it's like i would fuck her if she had aids <laughs> <laughs> Um, i'm telling you man there's some there's some very awful but very funny lines yes yes um but yeah i I, yeah this movie is just entertaining all the way throughout and again you have to by the end of it you've got to go that guy's an asshole oh yeah Uh, you know none of this stuff i condone but it's fun to watch oh yeah no, it's endlessly rewatchable. I've seen this movie probably five or six times. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's long, but it and, and there are times. There's a, the only place that it drags is that Quaalude scene that I think just goes on it for twenty percent long. But other than that, man, this I can if it's on, I'm I'm gonna watch the rest of it. Probably. I'm really fascinated right now. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Were you gonna move on? No, go ahead. I'm just. I just. I think I'm. I don't think I like this movie as much as you guys do. Mm. I like it, but you guys see, it seems like you guys love it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I ever got there, but it's probably I only saw it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do own it, so I need to pop it in and watch it again. Yeah. And I remember, I remember being exhausted by this movie. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Um. Whereas Bad Times at the El Royale, I think I like way more than you guys do. I think you guys like it, and I think I want to marry it and I move to Pluto with it. I think you're probably right. Uh, we can to t- Pluto with it? I don't know. I picked a planet. I mean a not planet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can talk about uh, Bad Times at El Royale. I, I rewatched this because I, I 
it's a, this is a movie that I really do like. It was going up against Wolf of Wall Street, though, and I was like, well, how do I really compare these two? I haven't, I haven't not seen Bad Time since I bought it on Blu-ray way back in the day and watched it then. And so, I, and it, it had come on cable a couple of times. I'd seen a few scenes uh, while it was on HBO during its HBO run. I uh, watched it again, uh, and uh, and what stood out to me this time, I, and I still like it, it just seems like it's way too long for what it is. Mm. It's 2 and 20, mm. and, and there's just, and it's like, this story seems like it should resolve faster. Mm. There are scenes, now, I, I can't blame a movie that tries to make Cynthia Revo a star. Okay. <laughs> She's fan-fucking-tastic, I mm. want to see her in everything, but man, there are three or four scenes where they're like well let's just let you sing for seven minutes at a time yeah (laughs) and i and i and she's great at it it's just that i want to see a movie i think uh, i i feel like this is the inventiveness of cabin in the woods drew goddard again by the way Mm -hmm. um all the way through in terms of the pacing and the reveals and every it's almost it's almost like a book that these are little chapters or vignettes at this hotel and every one of them builds on what has come prior and many of them twist what has come prior. Um, so this, the scene where she's singing and clapping so that Jeff Bridges on the floor between the beds can hit a hammer to get under mm-hmm. the floor and 50 shades is outside the double <laughs> mirror with the gun. <laughs> that is one of the best scenes of, the decade and it, uh, that's mm-hmm. an example where it goes on what could be too long but i think it's it's made perfect by that because yeah, yeah. it builds up for that first minute and a half before it's revealed yeah. before she starts doing the thing yeah and I, I think that pays off perfectly i do think if the movie suffers i think this movie's perfect <laughs> Suffer! if this movie suffers Suffer! uh it's that there isn't really one main protagonist I guess you would say Jeff Bridges and Cynthia Erivo would yeah. be the protagonists, but there are times where John Hamm is the protagonist. Then there are times where uh, Dakota Not Fanning is the protagonist. <laughs> then there are times where um, the the bellhop is yeah, the protagonist. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just it, it's very much like Parasite. That when I watched it, I had the the constant feeling that I had never seen anything like this. That is true. Um, and. Again, I think Drew Goddard is one to watch in that um, he's had a couple projects fall through because of studio mergers and rights issues like and whatnot. But whatever that guy's doing next, I want to see because just Cabin in the Woods and this alone mm-hmm. make me feel like he's just he's looking at things from a perspective that no one else is. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I just plus he wrote The Martian. Song. I just the, the when when we finally get to uh, Chris Hemsworth in this movie and he's like walking through the fields mm. and it's like young girls are called to New York <laughs> City or whatever oh it's just so fucking perfect yeah. all the cult stuff I love <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry I love when he's like let's have us an allegory oh, it's so great um, oh my god he's got such a uh, a hold on that uh, her sister where she doesn't waver whatsoever even not after he kills lick. Dakota Johnson She's just like fuck it, not one. Well, because she snapped. Yeah, you know, she and snapped it before. Goes to show too the naivete of that Lewis Pullman character, the bellhop. Yeah, the uh, the uh, 
the fact is like during this this is a guy who has killed a whole bunch of people 123 um and uh you you figure that having that kind of experience in life would make you someone who knows what's up or whatever but he has no street smarts whatsoever no. it's in, including even the stuff that he's been told to go capture on film in all these uh hotel rooms and everything even that hasn't gotten and like he's seen such bad things though that it's it's like he's now he's got a drug addiction and everything else yep. i mean he's but there, there's naivete like not knowing jeff bridges is a is a priest yeah uh not knowing that he's not a priest and after he blows away all those people and he sees her crying over chris hemsworth he doesn't think i need to stay away from her yeah. he goes over and tries to say i'm sorry and everything yeah. and it just goes to show like doesn't matter how many people you've killed or how many things you've seen if you don't have that kind of a street smart to stay away from somebody like that mm -hmm. then yeah you probably deserve in the movie's terms yeah, to get killed yeah. i love that musical cue where they turn on the jukebox and it's that na 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 yeah. na na and hemsworth is dancing but it goes back to bridges and cynthia revo and he's like who is this and she says deep purple and he's like it's not for me yeah, yeah, yeah. it's funny i was sitting there thinking during this like this movie would be a good companion to once upon a time in hollywood oh there are it's in the same era mm -hmm. they and both of them use that deep purple song oh i didn't okay yeah that's right i had made that connection um but it was it was only it was when they when they that deep purple part comes up that i was like yep this was this is the michael kane and gene hackman are in the same movie <laughs> uh scene in pcu uh but um but yeah, I agree with you. This movie, uh, originality points, completely destroys Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Um, you just like the package better overall with Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. I mean, I haven't voted yet, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were sort of winking that you had already sort of leaned. Well, I mean, I think, I think you can tell by the way I talk about these movies that I'm going to pick Wolf of Wall Street. But. Yeah. And that's fair because that's what this is all about. <laughs> but this is actually the... This is the most painful loss for me. If you vote Wolf of Wall Street, as I assume you're going to. It's I'll a vote, bad matchup. I'll vote uh, Bad Times. Um, it is a bad matchup. Um, if but, this had gone against Paddington 2, we probably would have voted uh, Bad Times and the Hour. No, no doubt about it. Uh, no, I just say Bad but Times. But then, a, but then, of course, you know, if, if, if Bad Times actually moved on, that was what was going up against. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I'm going to vote for Wolf of Wall Street. There's, there's, there's going to be scenes from wolf of wall street that we'll be watching 20 years from now i think see I, I agree i do i have picked bad times at the el royale as my sleeper i think in 20 years it's gonna have a a reputation that is better than it has now sure, sure. much like shawshank got good reviews came out 20 years later number one movie on imdb mm -hmm. so i think it will grow in esteem as it ages and will slide up above some other films i think so too and it. we'll see if drew goddard like starts making more movies i mean he's got basically two under yeah. his belt we'll see if he if he makes more and if, if by the end of you know in 10 20 years that movie will if he's had a good career by that point well people will start revisiting that yeah. movie a lot yeah. more i agree with you totally about the originality in fact while i was re-watching it i was like man uh, I'm, I am actually in my head trying to make a case for this to beat Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. yeah. And and once it started to drag for me a yeah. bit, that's where I was like, that's where Wolf of Wall Street beats this. Wolf of Wall Street never 
lets up except again that quaalude zine that you were mm. talking about uh whereas this one i'm like man of i know that there's a lot of inter like they're not interconnected stories really it's just people who happen to show up at this place at one time but they're telling everybody stories and everything and by the time it gets to lewis pullman's where like oh secretly he's a badass which is a great reveal mm. I was like, uh, there's more yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, do we really have to go through this war scene? I do love the opening scene. And I love the fact that Nick Offerman appears in two scenes in this movie and you can't ever tell it's him. Yeah, that's true. Okay. He shows he's up. the guy that buries the money in the first scene in the hotel room. And then he's in the flashback with the heist with Jeff Bridges. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's just yeah, wearing yeah. that heist yeah, mask yeah, yeah. and you never oh, see okay. his actual face in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> what and is this- it? The guy's like, one guy uh, brought a wolf into the bed. He didn't even oh, do yeah. anything to it. He just lay. <laughs> it, was- it wasn't sexual. And yet it still kind of was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he just, he just said all night he was there. And he says, says, I've never told anybody that. She goes, I'm not sure you should have told me that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What a fucked up thing. Who do you think, who do you think's on the film, by the way? The film or the, 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 the FBI wants. I assumed it was like a Clinton stand. Not, I mean, obviously wrong era. Nixon, JFK, somebody like that. I, I, I thought JFK because they said he's dead. Yeah. And, uh, and there's, and especially when, uh, what's her name the uh the younger sister says oh i know him he's dead and chris hemsworth says it says oh yeah he's dead like everybody knows that and it's it's been for a long time almost to the way he responds back well and even earlier the bill the bill hop says you know it's somebody everyone knows it's Mm -hmm. somebody that famous yeah Yeah. uh paddington 2 will go up (laughs) against wolf of wall street (laughs) (laughs) wow is paddington 2 g it's pg it's pg oh, you, you have to be almost three-year-old to get a g uh these days yeah, you can't these even are polar opposites they it's are traded pg for intense candy apple uh train walking <laughs> yes action. yes uh okay what did you guys think uh these things are so hard uh even if we get unanimous decisions they're mm-hmm. hard they're hard they're yeah. hard to go through man uh you know the it gets it feels like it's personal a lot of times and it's it's not it's not personal <laughs> it's just business yeah uh anyway what did you guys think go to syncast presented by cinema sins on facebook we're also cinema sins twitter music video sins twitter we're on soundcloud we also have a discord if you want to get on discord you can go to the reddit page and see a link on the right side and click that or you can go to the facebook page and private message me and i will give you a link there uh but that'll do it for this week uh, we'll get into round two Woo! uh we'll be back in the north region uh uh next week and actually after sin week after sin week yeah uh so yeah uh that's right by the time this comes out sin week will have happened mm-hmm. and uh but yeah we will be back in the north region for the second round the next time we come through here of course we have a couple other podcasts fun podcasts coming up too uh but uh, that'll do it for this week it's chris atkins and jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasins.com And I, I, I was like, okay, well, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that super serious about it. Yeah. 
So like, I was like, whatever. And, uh, and I started going, I walked out of the aisle and there's this Ben. I'm like sitting there going, nobody is seeing this. There's no <laughs> doubt. That's crazy. And this is another reason why I hate grocery stores is because these bins that they stick in the middle of fucking aisles, nobody sees yet. They fuck you up because yep. you can't, they you do have, fuck you, you up have to go around them and you have all the people that you have to dodge and all that. So, and sometimes they contain the shit that you're looking for yeah. instead of it being where, it's, it's, supposed where it's supposed to be. To be. You can, it's super easy to make your own. It's like two ingredients. What do you use, like vodka? No, it's uh, um, oh, isopropyl uh, propylopalate, and then um, <laughs> aloe vera gel. <laughs> it's like two parts to one. I watched a YouTube video on it, nice. and uh, and one part semen. Yeah, right. No, but they did drizzle some lavender oil in there, aka semen. Very similar to my semen. College, they used to call me lavender <laughs> semen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you ever hear the song, Let Me Smell Your Dick? No. no. You never heard it? No. No. It's, uh, it's an R&B song. It's kind of slightly serious. <laughs> the, uh, the, it's a girl group. And, uh, and they're like, uh, I could play it for you. Uh, <laughs> there's a girl group. And they suspect that their guy is cheating on them. Oh. And so she's like, you know, uh, they go through the chorus. And then the end of the chorus is, something's going on. Let me smell your dick. <laughs> <laughs> the, oh. the video is funny as hell too because they're like all in uh like tlc garb and like flowing pajamas <laughs> and they're all being sexy and like let me smell your dick i'm gonna have to use that on my wine yeah yeah <laughs> risque risque is the uh are you gonna smell my dick i'm just gonna <laughs> how did you hear the song dude i heard that fucking 10 years ago or something really like that. more than that they're but like they're it so wasn't sincere. radio play no. like so. i thought it was going to be tongue in cheek <laughs> but they're like trying to sing a song so i'm just <laughs> trying to figure out Yo, that's why i'm trying to figure out how you came across it uh i think no it actually probably was at the hospital just playing um, it over the, the, the PA. No, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that place, at that place, I could have. Uh, no, it was one of the nurses. <laughs> she came in and she, she was singing it. And I was like, "What the fuck is?" It's <laughs> like it's this song that I just heard. Oh you know, somebody played it for me. Okay, okay. I have I have stories that I can't tell. Yeah, I'm sure you. I'm sure. <clears throat> oh my god. Let me smell your dick. <laughs> yeah, now that's gonna be in her head all day. I'm gonna be doing it all day. <laughs> she's she's all pissed I'm off. I'm gonna be like, yeah. What does the dick smell like? <laughs> <laughs> this so, is the best so thing ever. Just, like think <laughs> about the process. <laughs> like this woman is so just like, let me smell your dick. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Uh, it, not that it matters, but I'm wondering, like, were they, did they mean to be funny or did, were they trying to be I, funny? I think there's like, either a, way, it's great. <laughs> it's not pure comedy for sure. Yeah. Okay. No, definitely, I think she's really trying. There's okay. definitely some, you, so no self-awareness. It doesn't look like it on the video side. <laughs> wow. I finally saw, uh, Upgrade. Did you see that? Oh yeah. How fun is that movie? Fuck. Awesome. <laughs> what sucks is that like, it, it was like 10 o'clock. And uh, what was it? Uh, probably Friday night. It was ten o'clock, and uh, 
And uh, I was like, man, I'm getting a little tired. And I was like, well, I'll just watch Upgrade while I fall asleep. And I was like, you can't fall asleep while watching fucking Upgrade. Man, he does not get enough credit <laughs> for his acting in <laughs> those action so scenes. Because his face is... There's a couple moments he's truly horrified yeah. at what his body is doing <laughs> to this guy. He's beating the fuck out of people. <laughs> and, oh, it's so fun. Oh, it is. It's, I think that, that and Venom is an excellent double feature. Yeah, it's so much better than Venom, though. It is, but Venom is almost as much fun. Yeah. Just yeah. because it's so insane. Yeah. I like how you're leaving the tab up with the Smell Your Dick song. No. Oh, did I you close it? it? No. <laughs> just, just insert it every once in a while. <laughs> going to need that later. I'm going to keep that tab open. That's right. It's like that Pusha T verse on uh, Kanye's Runaway, mm-hmm. where he's like, let's have a toast for the douchebags, have a toast for the assholes, where he's like all self-deprecating, and then Pusha T comes in, he's like, 24-7, 365, pussy stays on my mind. <laughs> I, 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 I did it. All right, all right, I admit it. Now pick your next move. You can leave or live with it. <laughs> Meaning, like, he's completely subverting the whole fucking song. Yeah. That, that, I feel like that happens a lot, though, right? Doesn't it? Like, these people come on for their, like, whatever verse, and they're like, yeah, yeah, just do whatever you would normally do in a song like this. Future on uh, uh, the Havana, the Camila Cabello, mm-hmm. she's, like, uh, talking about how Havana and, like, sexiness and everything, and he's just, like, just graduated fresh on campus. Yeah. <laughs> talking yeah. about himself. Right. Shorty hating on me, but they're kicking on me. Why do you know all these lyrics so well? I watch a lot of music videos. Well, that's true. But Pusha T, I don't know why you would need to know all those lyrics. That's from Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and I've listened to that song probably over a hundred times. Yeah, I probably heard that uh, album a bunch, but I don't know any of the lyrics. Oh, I know dude. a few I know a few things, but not like that. Yeah, his his lyrics in that album are just insane. I don't care, I hate him. Oh, oh, we know. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's like one out of every three scripts has a Kanye West reference in it. <laughs> um, so, so, so question, when you said PCP, you meant personal care physician, yes. right? I, I had the same. I don't think I've heard it. Uh, initialized like that. Oh, really? And I didn't know if that was common because when he says you can't get to your PCP, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the tornado I was like, took away my drugs, <laughs> <laughs> my jelly beans, <laughs> my jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those those jelly beans, they weren't really jelly beans. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> he has the grossest line in that when he's tied up. He's oh. like, I'll suck your dick. The cradle of the balls, lift the shaft, <laughs> and swallow the gravy. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta those. Yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we laughing? I don't know. I think it's one of those, it's a gallows humor thing. Jesus. It's so inappropriate. <laughs> wow, that's probably not an appropriate joke. <laughs> Would you cut that for me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me see your dick. I like how there's no there's there doesn't it doesn't feel raunchy. It just it just feels very innocent. Like let me smell your dick. If you were innocent, you'd let me smell your dick. 